Hello and welcome to Ono, Ross, and Carrie, the show where we don't just report on fringe science, spirituality, and claims of the paranormal, but take part ourselves. Yep, when they make the claims, we show up so you don't have to. You're Ross Botcher. And you're Carrie Poppy. Yeah. And today, we're going to talk about Scientology, maybe for the last time. Well, not for the last time. Well, not for the last time in our lives. Uh, We left you all on a cliffhanger last time. Oh, yeah, we sure did. And man, Twitter is outraged. Why did you do that? Why'd you do this to me? What happened? This is good radio. Yeah, so when we last heard, Scientology had found you out. Yes. They had found us out, but they had specifically pulled you aside and said, Ross, you host a podcast. What are you doing to us? And then they were like, okay, you can go to this meeting. Really, you shouldn't go you to this meeting. Shouldn't. But you're free to do whatever you want. And that's what you want to do. Like, do what thou wilt. You just said, I'm free to do whatever I want. So I so want to go went. to this meeting. So I wander over to this meeting again, just farther down in the same room. Uh, this is this rally that's supposed to teach me how to recruit new people for Scientology. So they give us a handout and I'm having a really hard time reading what's going on. Like, does mm-hmm. Harold, the the leader of this group, the FSMIC, who contacted Field me- Field staff member in charge. Who contacted me earlier. Bright shock of red hair on this guy. A very assertive, very, very efficient young man. Gets things done. Yeah. Get he, things done kind of guy. Yeah, it feels like that. Like, you know, he's out to prove things to people and I'm going to do this exactly right. I'm extremely competent. You right. know. Uh, anyway, so he hands out these handouts to tell us how how to get people in. And I really, I liked the discussion in this final meeting that I had. And I was a little upset that like, oh, there's like this tinge of uneasiness because I know things are about to go down. Yeah. Clearly. And yet it was like a more free range, open discussion. Uh-huh. I was like, oh, this, this is actually kind of interesting. You're kind of one of the team now. Yeah. And it didn't feel like we were as on the script. Uh-huh. Uh, and it was just me and I think three other people and then Harold having this conversation. Behind the curtain a little bit. Yeah. And he would kind of just launch into normal conversation. I think, oh, we're okay. And then he would kind of react to me in a way that felt like he was a little annoyed with me Mm. or not sure how to respond to me. And then I'd be like, oh, they're onto me. Mm -hmm. So I I didn't know. Which is something we'd experience a few times with Scientology because they're a little weird. And they would respond to us, you know, suspiciously. And we'd be like, they know. Oh, no, they don't know. They're just Scientologists. Right. (laughs) Right. Yeah. (laughs) So um, he walked off for a bit and said, oh, you guys just go ahead and like read through all this. And so I started reading. I remember in the first paragraph, I saw the word patter and mm-hmm. I thought it was a misspelling. Like I thought they meant to write pattern because oh, uh-huh. it would have made sense in the same sentence. Would have fit the pattern. And thankfully, I brought up this misunderstood word that I was looking mm. at. Oh, is this supposed to be pattern? They're like, oh, no, no. Patter is like, you know, the set script that you use or like things that you're supposed oh, to yeah, say. Yeah. Okay. But they're saying in this situation, there is no patter. Oh, okay. All right. Uh-huh. And so then he came back. He's Makes like, sense. you're all done reading? I was like, oh, sorry. Actually, I was getting this word cleared up. Should I keep reading or, oh, let's just start talking. So one of the things they were telling us to quickly figure out about a person is to find their ruin. Okay. So you need to find like that one thing that they don't have solved, the one thing that's really hurting their lives. Right. And uh, that's their ruin. So, you know, they're like, well, what would be an example of that? And there's this really like loud, talkative guy who doesn't moderate his voice well. Uh huh. And he's saying, well, I know people like here in the org even who I've known them for years and they haven't had like a date or anything and you should be developing on all dynamics. And I think something's wrong. I think they have a ruin there. 
Harold is like, oh, maybe that, you know, that could be their personal choice. That's not the best example. What about like someone on drugs? <laughs> like, <laughs> goes to this very obvious, easy uh-huh. example of a person. What about ruin. a person who's in prison for <laughs> grand theft? Yeah, right. Uh, then he also mentioned, like, what about someone who loses an arm? You know, like they could, they could get, Jeez. they could like be angry at the world, or sometimes they become like motivational speakers. What? Without arms. <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm sure that's true, but just seems like he's shooting off in all directions with that analogy. <laughs> he's just saying like, you know, you can let something get you down or it can be oh, something or that, it could be the thing that you overcome that and become you. better. Right. So what you doesn't need, kill you, you need, makes you stronger. <laughs> yeah. So you need to stronger, find, you need to find that thing that's bringing them down. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then Scientology will help pull them out of that and turn it into a good thing. The woman sitting next to me, we'll call her Rosalie. She uh, offered her own ruin, which is that she doesn't have a job. And oh, yeah. so then Harold's like, well, why don't you have a job? We're not here to help you if you're already in Scientology. We're just going to yell at you for not having a job if you're already he, in here. He says very dismissively, like, well, why don't you get some training? And she says, well, I just can't make up my mind about what I want to do. Uh-huh. And he said, okay, well, that's your ruin. You need to make up your mind. Okay, See? fine. <laughs> He's there and ready to solve everything for everybody. He then asks us, like, oh, what would you say, like, if someone came to you and said, like, oh, I don't have a rune when you ask them? Right. And so I said, well, it seems then there's two possibilities. One, uh, they're uh, telling the truth, but, and I didn't even get to finish that sentence. They all jumped on me immediately. Like, no, <laughs> no, they're lying. Everybody has a ruin. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Oh, it's LA. There's lots of problems here in LA. So the talkative what if you're being guy. honest and just don't realize what the ruin is? That seems possible. <laughs> yeah. Totally, but yeah. you need to help them find it. You know? Sure. So, so they're still just, wouldn't be lying. But they're self-deceived at best. It I seems. got it. So, okay. So I didn't even get out point two, whatever. And then I asked, well, like, what if someone says something like, Kind of just patently, like, you know it's wrong or even, like, offensive. Oh, well, you know, all the immigrants are out to take my job. Mm, Right. Something like, how do you respond to that? So he said, oh, well, you know, they're just lower on the tone scale and, you know, just meet them where they are. If they're being antagonistic, (laughs) you'd be be like, yeah, oh, God, I hate Jews, too. Oh, boy. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I was wondering if that was what he was getting at. He said, well, you be antagonistic right back to them and uh, then you can help move them up the tone scale. Whoa. Okay. That's a really weird tactic. Yeah. And I said, oh, sorry if that was like a curveball. He's like, not a curveball. <laughs> you did not stump me. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right, Harold. That's cool. And uh, he said, but there are people like that out there. And, uh, and that's why there's no set pattern. You know, that's interesting because when I was thinking about going into seminary, I went to Princeton to uh, sit on in on a couple classes in mm-hmm. seminary. And I remember one of the discussions being about how do you help a kid who's already happy? It was for youth ministers. Hmm. And it was basically like, how do you convince a happy child that they're <laughs> that not they have actually a problem? Happy? Oh. Yeah. It was a really funny discussion looking back on it. Because uh, obviously that came from a place of real concern. They were really like, oh, God, how do we break through that? Like, how do we help Did that it raise kid? any flags for you at the time? No, I don't think so. I think... But yeah, what a thing. Like, can't there be anyone who's actually just okay? actually happy. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and clearly the the Scientology view seems to be like, well, if you're not on course, you know, if you're not working your way up the bridge, then there's clearly something wrong with you. And even if you are, there's something wrong with you. Yeah, you also could just be talking on two different levels. Like, I'll fully admit, like, I have problems, right? Anybody has problems. Mm-hmm. So if any if anyone were like, no, I'm fine, I've got no problems, I would suspect that they were in denial too. But I wouldn't necessarily 
expect that I had the solution for them. So they might be saying, no, no big problems, as in nothing you can solve, random right. man on the street. Right. Yeah. Yeah, and the the loud talkative guy was saying, oh, yeah, I have, there's a lady that I see regularly, and and I've been trying to work with her to find her ruin, but, but she works at the restaurant there, and so it's hard to talk about these things. I think, oh. Poor lady. Some <laughs> she was like, here's your omelet. What's your ruin? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and he was clearly like very proud of his confrontations with oh, people God. in everyday life and on the street. Imagine. Oh, yeah. Oh, I hope he tips well. <laughs> and he doesn't because he has no money. <laughs> I, I don't think he was a Sea Org member. But, oh, okay. Well, then maybe he's got money. But he's also in Scientology, so yeah. if he has any money, it won't be around for long. Probably. Uh, maybe not. I don't know. Maybe not. So then he had us pair up into groups and he wanted us to find each other's ruins. And he said, you know, this can just be pretend or whatever, but we're just going to like have a conversation where we find each other's ruins. So I keep I- picturing Rome every time you say that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Where are your ruins? Uh, <laughs> Athens. Mm-hmm. So I matched up with Rosalie and we were sharing information back and forth. And I think she was building affinity at first, asked me where I came from. So we were talking about that. I went first and I said that, you know, there's new things that I want to learn and do, but I just don't feel like there's enough time in my life. That was the gist of it. Uh-huh. And so we were still talking and finally Harold jumped in and said well that's it stop right there. you found his ruin he's telling you flat out like i don't know how to manage my time well enough that i can take on new things uh-huh fair and he said well if you found someone who said that to you what would you say and she said well come with me and he's like that's great that's it yeah you tell him to come with you so then that is the moment at which someone comes and whispers to him and i hear call miscavige And he gets up almost immediately and says, I'll be right back uh, in just a couple minutes. And at the same time, that's when the other Sea Org member comes to sit next to me. Uh, We'll call her Carla from San Diego. So she sits next to me in a chair that she pulls up. And I'm feeling like, okay, now it's going down. Just to pause for a second in case anyone doesn't know who Miscavige is. David Uh, Miscavige, our Lord and Savior. (laughs) We mentioned him in a previous episode, but... He is basically the ecclesiastical leader of Scientology now. He's the guy who took over from L. Ron Hubbard. He's a tiny little man <laughs> with a big heart. Who uh, looks a little Frank Sinatra-ish and speaks yeah. very confidently. Yeah. His dad just wrote a book that was released called Ruthless. That's all about how he believes his son is not a good guy. Could use and, more Ruth. And there's, <laughs> and there's a lot of... Information out there about David that I would encourage everyone to go look at. He's been accused of a lot of terrible abuse. I'm not saying he did it. I'm not saying he did it. I'm saying a lot of people have consistent allegations of his abuse. So so he's wandered off and Carla is asking me questions. And he comes back in at most three minutes, probably around two minutes, very quickly. And he says, okay, well, uh, how about this? You guys continue and we're wrapping up. Uh, Follow me to the panels and we'll end up for the day. And it's very unclear at that moment because he's looking directly at me, but everybody else is wondering like, oh, are we all going to the panels? Because mm-hmm. uh, Ro- <laughs> we've all seen the panels. <laughs> right, exactly. And Rosalie says, well, wait, wait, hold on. This is really good. Like, I've gotten to this point before and I want to know what to do with him now because mm-hmm. he stated his ruin. And Harold's like, well, you've got it. You did it. 
you you just tell him, come with me, come to Scientology. And she's like, oh, but, and she's like kind of drawing up the conversation there. And to his credit, he really did kind of jump into the conversation and gave some more examples like, oh, well, you, and I offered, what about literature or uh-huh. you know, films or sending website links? And he's like, yeah, you could do all that. Okay, now, uh, since you weren't here last week, he points to me and he's got, I think, a new tactic now. He says, well, why don't you come with me and I'll show you the panels. The rest of you stay here. I'll be back in a few minutes. Okay. So now I've been separated from the herd. Mm-hmm. And so I pick up my stuff and follow Harold and Carla. She's kind of trailing behind me. So she's out of my peripheral vision, but I know she's right behind me. Uh-huh. So I've got these two Sea Org members and they're kind of leading me closer to the front of the building and then out to these panels. And they're just off the entrance to the building. So, so these are the panels that we've seen a zillion times, right? There's like one about drugs. There's one about Owen Hubbard. There's one about freedom and education. And exactly. you can press a button on each one to see a video. Right. Standard Scientology design, interactive display. It looks great. Uh, but yeah, we'd been by them many times. I hadn't really stopped to look at them closely. Oh, fair enough. Had you? Yeah. Okay. Because I've been through there a couple times. I lived close to it for a while. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So he's like showing me all of these. And again, they're right off of the entrance. So like to your right is that registration office where we started out to your left panels. And so he says, well, uh, this is a great place to come. If you want to learn about L. Ron Hubbard, you can read about that right here. And if you want to know about like the e-meter, for example, you could check out this display. And he says, and that's what they're here for. It's like, oh, that that's great. That's all right. what I thought they were here for. <laughs> yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah, that's very obvious, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> you confirmed my suspicions. The panels are here for reading. Thank you. Yeah, and clearly this has nothing to do with the class we've just had. And yeah, it's right. a tactic to get me out front. And uh, so then he brings me up to the actual like entrance itself by the doors and says like, well, anything else I can help you with? <laughs> and I say, well, you know, I'm thinking about what I'm going to do next. And, you know, I've been talking to (laughs) Hannah about the purification rundown and like they want you to come in five hours a day. And for me, schedule wise, it's difficult. So I'm just like buying time Uh at this point. Like, yeah, let's try this out. Why not? (laughs) And again, to his credit, he actually responds to that and says, well, actually, I was uh, the IC for the purification rundown before. So I know a lot about it. And yeah, there are people who have done it like in three hours. It definitely changes for each person. So uh, yeah, there there could be a variable program. So he wasn't like Mm, saying, no, that's not going to happen. Right. You will leave now. Oh, and I've also heard about life repair, and that sounds like that might be a way to go. And so we're talking about that for a little bit. But then I think at that point, he was trying to get me to wrap it up. Right. And so then I say, you know what? I uh, I think I left my handout upstairs. Is it all right if I go back and get that? <laughs> and he says, uh, well, actually, like, we don't have too many of those. You know, it's it's really not like a handout that you keep. And so, you know, we know Scientology makes a million copies of everything. Right. That's not it. Uh, so, uh, And they're always pristine. There's no way they'd reuse one of those. Get mm, someone's grubby paws all over mm, that? Good point. No way. So I'd say I delayed maybe about five minutes kind of sitting there and talking. Then I realized like, okay, well, this is going nowhere at this point. Mm-hmm. So I said, well, thank you for your time. And uh, he's said a very pleasant goodbye mm-hmm. and I walked out and that was the end of my belonging I, within Scientology. Amazing. And then I get this text that's like, oh man, <laughs> you need to come meet me. Yeah. And I had been, I had gone to get a burrito. So I'm just off in Carrie land, just like crosses over at the rally. That was a nice Sunday service. I'm having such a good day. So then I go to meet you. You get in my car 
And you were like, well, they know we have a podcast. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting that Hannah wanted to talk to me and didn't like try to get both of us at the same time. Yeah, but I mean, I did say I was leaving. Okay. So she may have just thought. And "Eh." I'd spent time with her. Maybe she just thought it would be easier. Now, this is interesting because our friend Spencer Marks. Hi, Spencer. Has a friend that he introduced us to. And uh, he said we could call him Bob. Okay. He's a former Scientologist. Great. Not yet out to his family. As a non-Scientologist. Right, because he's afraid of disconnection. But he was in the Sea Org. He joined when he was young. And he did leave. He didn't even bring this up right away, but I asked, did you get hit with a bill for your services? Because I've heard that happens to people who leave Scientology. And he said, oh yeah, they sent me a $13,000 bill. (gasps) For my classes. Did he pay it? You know what? I didn't actually ask that. That's a good question because he was still pretty young at the time. Mm. And it was for less than a year (gasps) that that he'd been there. And he said that all of the courses he took were what he called product zero, which means that he was just learning how to be a good Sea Org member. Like, this is how to tie your shoes. This is how to wear your outfit. Yeah, it was just. Why would you have to pay for that? Training stuff, not necessarily like advanced spiritual technology. Oh my God. I mean, that should be illegal. I mean, in California, you have to pay someone even while you train them. And that's job training. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Awful. I wonder how they're getting around all this. I mean, it mu- they must just call them volunteers. And that's it. But, must, must be uh, it. Uh, uh, just horrible. He was explaining some of the things that we've talked about. He was saying, for example, that the whole urgency about getting us to sign up for stuff wasn't even so much about the money kickbacks. It was more about this week's numbers, that Mm. they've got to post numbers for each week for how many people they sign up, how many people attend this, Mm. and that each week you're expected to increase those numbers. Oh, and so I wonder if it was right between me and you, that increase. Could be. Wouldn't that be awful? It would. (laughs) We're just like, sorry, (laughs) Carrie likes to pay in cash. (laughs) Right. And so they said if you like had a great stellar week and you got 10 people in, well, the next week, if you got anything less than 11, it would would be seen as a failure. That's awful. Oh, and just unsustainable. Yeah. Constant growth. Not going to happen. Anyone who's listening to this and they're like, man, I want to go join Scientology. What you need to do is start out by being just terrible terrible at your job just bring in like one person a week and then you can slowly grow and you'll always be- <laughs> i asked him that i said oh so it sounds like you'd be motivated then to not perform at your best knowing yeah. that you'd have to do better each time and he he didn't seem to recognize that emotion he's like oh well, there's just so much pressure to like constantly perform uh-huh that you just never have the time to stop and process <laughs> right. that yeah so his first reaction when he heard about hannah encountering me and saying that she had a mormon friend was no way. This did not happen. Okay. Now, I thought there was probably a better than even chance that it was just a line. Uh Uh-huh. But he says it's like 99% a line. Okay. He said she spends 18 hours a day there, maybe gets like three hours for just personal upkeep. Uh Uh-huh. You don't have any friends outside of Scientology. You don't talk to them. You don't like mention the name of someone that you're working with. And the other Mm. person says, oh, Ross. Oh, Mm -hmm. I happen to know of a Ross that attended the Mormon church. Hmm. So he's pretty convinced that what happened was someone found out. They finally did the Google search or whatever reason they found out. They then trained her or like at least 
spoke with her and had like a briefing session where they said, okay, we want you to confront him and this is what you're going to say. And like they practice it with her. Uh-huh. He's pretty sure that's how it went down. See, one, at least one person suggested this and I just thought, why does that explain anything better? He just said in terms of how they operate, like sure. he's seen this sort of thing happen. I, but I'm wondering, then that means that they had to go find out what Mormons were saying about our show because they said, you know, my Mormon friend said that you guys were nice and that you were reported really fairly mm-hmm. so they had to like go google what mormons are saying about us i guess i guess so i get i mean it just or maybe that's the first seem... thing that popped up that they felt they could latch on to it's just they so nonsensical it. like why do that <laughs> instead of just saying like we googled you it makes no difference for us that was a theory and makes sense to me it actually makes more sense than her actually having the mormon friend oh sure yeah no i get that part i did think like wow scientologists and mormons talking bizarre and he was saying that, that there's no way that like she was the only one who knew about it because it's such a reporting culture where as soon as you hear about something, you need to immediately report it to your superiors because uh-huh. if you don't, then later on it will look as if you were withholding information right? and that will reflect poorly on you. So, oh, I totally believe that. So he said that it certainly went all the way up lines. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of makes me reinterpret that whole day. And I think maybe mm-hmm. more people knew Ah, than like we when we came in in the morning. Maybe I was right. Yeah. Maybe the minister who said, well, there's certainly no question that you're a Scientologist. <laughs> right. Maybe she was challenging me. And maybe. I am a genius at interpersonal maybe. communication. Boyoyoyoing. Maybe. I don't know what boyoyoyoing means. Another. Oh, hang on. Who's great at interpersonal communication? L. Ron Hubbard. No. Oh. Carrie. Now I picture L. Ron Hubbard's portrait being revealed by a bunch of plaques. <laughs> but it's me. On the wall. <laughs> but it's Carrie looking dreamily <laughs> at the camera in black and white. I want one of those. <laughs> he said that this would be a big deal there at the org. And, and then he used the term mm. safe pointed, like that they would immediately safe try pointed. to do damage control and they want to safe point me. I guess this is what they do with media outlets or journalists when they're trying to like damage control even before something goes bad Uh because we hadn't released any of our episodes at this point. Mm -hmm. And so they thought, okay, well, we want to be really friendly to this guy. And I think that was maybe part of the instructions. Like you be nice to this guy, be friendly, Mm. get him out of here. Okay. Interesting. That seems that gels with my interpretation of that scene. They didn't want it to be painted as something really adversarial because maybe I wasn't going to go that way or, you know, maybe yeah. they could influence me to report mm-hmm. kindly on them. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, good idea. That's wise. To be honest, I would have thought it's a little wise beyond them. They seem to have historically not been like too savvy about that. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's obviously the right thing to do if a journalist is maybe going to cover you in a critical way. You are nice to them. You put your best foot forward and you answer their questions as best you can. That is good media. And so I would say both Hannah and Harold did a good job of that. Good. So nobody get them in trouble. (laughs) If you can figure out who they are. Oh, yeah. Oh, because there will be people listening to this who know who they are. Oh, yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. yeah. It'll be easy to tell. You're right. And hi to those people. And, you know, maybe you're one of the... Tiny echelon of people who gets to listen to outside podcasts. And how cool is that? How cool is that? High five. You have this little tiny window to the outside world. Maybe that tiny window could be a door. Ask yourself, why is this window so tiny? Yeah, why is it so tiny? And why are there all these people in front of it waving their arms and saying, don't look at this the way it looks? Hmm. Interesting. Something to think about. Something to think about. (laughs) 
Uh, so soon after this, there was going to be an event at Big Blue hosted by the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. Yeah, and we'd already seen it during the Sunday service, and we're like, we should go to this. Yeah, and it was about the alleged overdiagnosing and overprescribing of psychiatric drugs in the U.S., especially to kids. Mm-hmm. Something that's very important. Oh, yeah. And we were interested in. Yeah. We had every intention to just keep going with the Scientology investigation as long as we could. We'd yeah. still be in it probably Why right not? now. But I knew that you had sort of been kicked out, sort of not. Right. So I'm like, okay, at this point, our MO has always been like, try to respect that these people are our hosts, play by their rules as much as we can. But mm-hmm. now the rule's kind of not clear. It's not clear whether they want us there or not. So I wrote to the organization putting this on, the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. Now, the CCHR, <laughs> as they're called, is much like the way to happiness, it's a nonprofit that is very closely tied to the right. Church of Scientology. Or not or non, or able. Yes. So I wrote to them and I said, hey, I want to attend this event. Um, I just want to be abundantly clear. My podcast co-host, Ross Blotcher, was asked to leave an event, you know, kind of play out that whole story. Mm-hmm. This was at the Church of Scientology. I see that your event is happening at the Church of Scientology. I know that there are some ties there. If you don't want me there, that is okay. Just tell me, but I'd love to go. That was very generous of you. Thank you. So a guy writes back. We'll call him Daryl. We're, you know, we're a completely different organization than the Church of Scientology. Mm-hmm. The event is open to the public. Uh, if you want to come, come. And, and I'm we're like, like cool. that's great. That's awesome, right? Yeah. Okay, cool. Right on. Three days later, my phone rings. Pick it up like you do. I say, hey, Hello. And this person on the other end says, hey, it's Daryl, as if we've ever talked, which we have not. And so my mind doesn't even pick up who Daryl is. I'm like, sorry, who? who? It's Daryl. Because uh, I know who I am and (laughs) you should too. Might as well have been like, We've never spoken before. (laughs) Yeah. So finally, he says something like, we exchanged emails and with the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. Oh, yes. That's what you should have led with. Yeah. You could have even said this is the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. But anyway. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. Daryl, hi. And he says, yeah. um, So, listen. I listened to the show. Oh, yeah. He actually listened. Right. And we had released no Scientology episodes. So, we had just listened to a previous thing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, uh... You know, you guys have a lot of fun with these topics. You know, it's a very funny kind of comedy show. Very mm-hmm. hard to see on comedy, Ross. Kind of comedy. Comedy. I just really think this is a serious topic and maybe you shouldn't come. All right. So, okay. You know, I mean, I kind of want to argue with this, but I've I full on invited this, so I can't really. Yeah. So I'm like, okay. You're um, not going to talk him out of it. Right. So I said, okay, uh, I understand. We certainly want to honor that. Thank you for calling and letting me know. Sure. Okay. Okay. Bye. But the important part of this story is that David Miscavige knows who we are. Knows who we are. May have listened to the show. And said, get these people out. (laughs) That that fills our hearts with joy. Oh, yeah. Totally. I hope that he comes to both of our birthday parties. (laughs) Do you think he will? I mean, it would only be nice because I went to LRH's birthday party. That is true. Because while (laughs) my journey with Scientology felt like it was about to end with this Citizens Commission on Human Rights little tiff, yours 
continued very unexpectedly. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'd been, un- well, not unceremoniously kicked out. I'd been ceremoniously kicked out. <laughs> it was a quiet little ceremony. And Just I, a few of our friends there. I'm still getting emails from them. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I still get emails from the Raelians. I still get emails from the Ordo Templi Orientis letting me know about all of their initiation ceremonies. Really? Yeah. I don't get any of those. All these Why little, is no one sending me these, these emails? Minerval ceremonies going on. Yeah, a lot of the other things that we've investigated, I still get emails from, oh, reasons to believe. Oh, I get a lot of those. Oh. Yeah. I read them and they frustrate me. Uh, (laughs) So I was getting these Scientology emails and I got one at least three times that said, you're invited and invited me to the L. Ron Hubbard birthday celebration. Hey. Cool. And it had, you know, the big LRH logo and fireworks. And this looked exciting. They were talking me into it. And Ross, what could be more clear than you are invited? Oh, right. That means you're invited. I'm invited. Yeah, just sent to me. I, I think I deleted it the first time, but then it came back. I was like, hmm, you know what? <laughs> kind of want to go and then it came <laughs> and I'm invited and then it came again and I was like okay and so it says like click here to sign up and so I do that and it wants me to fill out my name so I put in my name and mm-hmm. you know how I heard about this and what courses I've done it wants me to like fill out all this information uh-huh. of course and so I submit all that and I just kind of wait like are they gonna write me back mm-hmm. and be like you are disinvited right <laughs> But but no, as far as I know, I'm still invited. Ooh, I have the email right here still. Check this out. Happening on Saturday, the L. Ron Hubbard birthday celebration. Look how- That's a really weird symbol. It looks very Chinese. Actually, it looks like one of those Chinese garden tea houses. It's like an octothorpe that has a few added loops on it. But you can find an L. You can- Yeah, If you you work, you can find an R. And there's an H there for sure. Yeah, the H is quite clear. No one can deny the H. You're right. It gives me instructions, tells me how to get there, different modes of transportation. So yeah, I filled this thing out. And uh, it tells me that it's going to be on Saturday, March 19th. So at this point, we have already released episodes right. about Scientology. Yes, we have. But at the same time, at this point, we haven't gotten any blowback. We haven't heard anything from the Scientologists right. at all. So yeah, time has gone on and we haven't seen anything weird or gotten any additional phone calls. I did have one other interaction with our old friend Ben, mm-hmm. who had taught my earlier classes. And it happened like right after, like two days after I'd been ushered out. Uh-huh. And it was kind of sad for me. He wrote, hey, Ross, how are you? Hey, how did it go with Roger? Are you doing something else? I'm going back home for a few weeks, but I wanted to follow up with you before I left. Uh, but yeah, clearly no one had told him the news just yet. Mm-hmm. And so I could mm-hmm. still talk to Ben. I thought, okay, this is really going to be my last chance to talk to him. Yeah. He said, hi, Ben. Thanks for checking in. I also want to thank you for all the time you've spent sharing with me. I really enjoyed our discussions. At this point, I'm going to continue doing a lot of reading. Safe travels, and I hope you have a great time back at home. Cheers, Ross. And didn't hear back. He wrote back uh, immediately and said, Excellent. Let me know if there is anything, all caps, I can do for you. If you have any questions or whatever, I will be happy to answer them. 
And that was the last communication. I have tried to contact Roger a couple times. Yeah, what happened? So he used to be, as you know, a prolific texter. Oh, immediate. So a couple times I've written him back because I I had kind of left one question hanging or something. So Mm -hmm. I, I answered that question and then was like, hey, you there? No response. Someone has since told me that they all share phones, though, as well. So when your shift ends, you like give your phone over to someone else. Oh, so that you can't have any personal communication. That could be, but also just, I don't know, to save time and money. I don't buy that because clearly they have a continuity of communication. They have their signature on the phone. Yes. So yeah, yeah, I'm pretty sure that he knew he could not respond to you or did not want to. No, I don't think he probably wanted to respond to me either. I just also think it's possible that the phone was in someone else's hand at that point. Yeah, so I don't think he and I are friends. Oh, sad. I really did like Ben. I think he was my favorite yeah. favorite person that oh, I yeah, met. Oh, yeah, Ben was really nice. And I liked Roger, even though, you know, he doesn't know what jokes are. Not everybody needs to know what jokes not, are. Not everyone needs comedy. So this birthday party, everyone wants to hear about this birthday party. Oh, totally. But you know what I want to hear about first? Quality entertainment? Quality entertainment. Comedy, culture, from Maximum Fun. Hey guys, this is Adam Conover. You may know me from my true TV show, Adam Ruins Everything. Well, guess what? Now we're doing a podcast version right here on Maximum Fun. What we do is we take all the interesting, fascinating experts that we talk to for just a couple minutes on the show and we sit with them for an entire podcast, really going deep and getting into the fascinating details of their work. Find Adam Ruins Everything wherever you get your podcasts or at MaximumFun.org. Anyway, what were you saying about a birthday party? L. Ron Hubbard's birthday party. So this was maybe about a week after his actual birthday, because he was born in March 13th of 1911. Your Alan Hubbard voice is like slipping into what you're saying. I was born March 13th, <laughs> 1911. Not That would make this my 105th birthday party. 105. You're on your on your way to your 111st birthday. I love to do this. This is one of my favorite things, and I'm going to really ruin some of our listeners' lives by telling you. I bet we have listeners who are born on March 13th. It's an almost certainty. Oh, sure. Happy L. Ron Hubbard birthday and your birthday. But I love to take a date and just enter it into Wikipedia, and then it tells you everything that ever happened on any March 13th. Oh, So then you can find out, well, who else was born? Who shares L. Ron Hubbard's birthday? Okay. William H. Macy. Oh. I love Bill Macy. Charo. Who's Charo? Charo. I'm Carrie is snapping her fingers and gyrating her body. Oh my God, body. look up Charo and you'll be so embarrassed. Uh, embarrassed that that's now in my search history? No, or? that you didn't know who Charo was. The official, there's an official Charo website. Oh, it's Believe a lady. It. She looks nice. <laughs> she has big hair. <laughs> she does. She has those big breasts. What's, what's her thing? Yeah, she's kind of got a Dolly Parton breast thing going on. Is she a singer? So, oh, if I click on her official site, I see Sexy Sexy, the remixes on iTunes. Is she, she known for being sexy? Yeah. So she was big in like, I think the 70s. Yeah, late 70s. She's a flamenco dancer and guitarist and singer. Oh. But she's also just like wildly eccentric. Okay. So she's a very lovable Like Angeline here in Los Absolutely Angeles. Absolutely like that. Which I didn't know about until I moved to LA. Oh, yeah. Anyway, what are we talking about? Oh, <laughs> March yeah. 13th. So Charo <laughs> shares his birthday Go on. So yeah, I uh, put on my suit, you know, because I figure this is going to be 
fancy affair. I think yeah. they I think they even said not black tie, but you know, dress nicely. Fancy. It was gonna be at the Kodak Theater or at least like upstairs that area, like mm-hmm. there in Hollywood and Highland. Right. Same area or, where we got picked up for Tony Alamo. And where the Oscars happen. That's right. Yeah, exactly. That same complex. And so I showed up maybe, I don't know, 10, 15 minutes before the thing was going to start. They said to arrive by 6 o'clock and be seated by 6.30. Mm-hmm. So I was like, oh, okay. And I showed up at like 5.45 or something. Like, oh, well, uh-huh. right on time. And so they say, we're not ready yet. You can't come up here. And they have blocked off the fifth floor from every entrance to that area. They're still preparing or something. So they're not letting the public in. But I'm seeing Sea Org members walk all over the place on that fifth level. But they're blocking the stairs. They're blocking the escalators. They're standing by the elevators to stop you if you come up there. So I go wander off for a bit. Then they let me up. And I'm scanning all of the Scientologists there just trying to look for familiar faces. Mm -hmm. Because you figure the LA org's going to be there in force. Uh, So the people by the escalator don't seem to recognize me. I go up. And I'm in this crowd of Scientologists all dressed in suits and dresses. Then I see there's like a sign-up table and I'm heading there and then there's an older gentleman who starts talking to me and he wants to know, what courses are you doing? What do you do? All of those regular Scientology questions. But he's really friendly. So after we talk for a bit, I say, oh, well, I'm going to head over to the table there and sign in. He's like, oh, well, I can do that right here, actually. I can sign you in. Oh, oh, okay. And he's got like a paper he wants me to fill out. And I said, oh, well, I did sign up for this in advance. I think I'm on the register. Oh, you don't need to do that. Uh, You can just sign in your information here. Okay. So I fill it out. It wants to know where I'm on course and all of this information. Same old, same old. I and at this out. point, how many episodes had we released? We had released four episodes and we're about to release our fifth. Okay, got it. And then I walked over towards the entrance and, you know, no one batted an eye. Mm-hmm. And I didn't see any familiar faces at that point. But yeah, it was a big crowd and I'm thinking, wow, like there's a lot of people here, more than I would have imagined. I talked to How someone. How big? You know what? I would say thousands, at least 2,000 people. Wow. Okay. Probably more like 3,000 because they could pack an auditorium. And so I talked to someone a little later who told me that they had flown in Scientologists from all over the world for this event. Wow. So this is like a real gathering of mm-hmm. Scientologists. So yeah, I walked over to the left and there was this entrance and a giant hall in there with a screen in front. So I was like, oh, okay. And uh, just, you know, thousands of seats in this auditorium, at least a thousand, I counted by multiplication. I didn't, sure. it didn't One, individually. Two, two three, three, wait, no, lost it. Excuse One. me, sir. <laughs> what courses are you enrolled in? Hold on. Five. <laughs> Six. Sir, could you take off your hat? I can't tell if you're one person or two. Thank you. Eight. Eight. (laughs) Did that the whole night. (laughs) I saw a bunch of Sea Org members standing around and they were getting ready. They were having some sort of talk. I was waiting for them to do the, yeah, thing, but they didn't do that. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Yeah. A little bit of a letdown. So I sat down in one of the empty seats, but I thought, that's weird. They told us to like get here at six and be seated by 630. And it was getting close to 630 and like almost nobody was in there, which is really weird. So at this point, I took a picture of the the screen and the lectern and I posted this on our Facebook page. Right. Which usually we don't do. We won't like say anything in the middle of an investigation. But at this point, it's kind of... Cat's out of the bag. You're kind of on borrowed time anyway. I'm a, a little curious to see what'll happen if anyone's going to recognize me. And every seat they had uh, a flyer and it was the the same graphic of the LRH logo with all the fireworks on the front. And on the back, it's a survey to fill out to tell them again what courses you're on, where you're studying. Whether you're wearing that student hat. And your successes in 
and all that. It's like, really? I had that in my suit jacket the other day when we got an IIG award. Woohoo! Yes, we did. IIG award from the Independent Investigations Group. For best podcast of 2016. Yeah. High five. Oh, wait. I guess it was of 2015. 2016 is not over. I handed it to you then. And then I think you were a little drunk and you took it and I don't know what you did with it. You handed me what? That flyer that was still in my suit jacket pocket. Oh, yeah. I don't even remember I wasn't intending to give it to you, but you like took it and you like put it in your purse. (laughs) I was like, oh, I guess guess it's yours now. (laughs) Hold on. Let me look. (laughs) You have it there. That's hilarious. Like, all right. Have fun with it. Yeah. The IIG... Uh, are the sweetest people. And they had a guy doing the bartending who had never, I mean, told me straight up he had never bartended. And I was like- He runs the local Skeptics Trivia Club. Oh, okay. So I was like, sure, I'll have a rum and diet. And like, Drew and I both automatically did this. We started counting as he was pouring the rum because <laughs> it was going on so comically long. <laughs> one, one thousand, two, yeah. one thousand. And finally I was like, that, that's good. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> but it was still a very heavy rum and coke. Here's your flyer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't remember that at all. So yeah, it's got the logo floating above the earth in space because that's where his logo is. If you stand in South Africa, you will see it in the nighttime sky. Nope. Nope. Mm-mm. Is that not a thing? I don't think so. It says, please complete this survey and hand it to a staff member before you leave. I did not. But yeah, they want to know your training level, processing level, home phone, email, cell phone, home address, city, state, zip. What decisions did you make as a result of seeing tonight's event? Ooh, that's pressure. Every time you have to come up with a new decision. Seriously, what would you... Yeah, can you just enjoy an event and not make a decision? I know. What would you like to accomplish on your progress up the bridge by LRH's birthday 2017? Oh my God. So... I mean, I know he didn't write this, but it comes off as so narcissistic. That's like, right. by this dead person's birthday, <laughs> this I is, will do X. When do you plan on getting started on this? <laughs> That's number three. Oh, oh <laughs> right now. Uh, number four, have you completed the purification rundown and or survival rundown since the release of Golden Age Tech Phase 2? Student hat. <laughs> it doesn't say student hat. Too bad. Purif, yes or no. SRD, yes or no, survival rundown. Okay. Mm -hmm. Who do you know that needs to do the Purif and or survival rundown? Please put down their name, what they do as a day job. Oh, here it is. Number six. Have you done the golden age of tech phase two student Student hat? hat. Oh, good. Are you currently on service? Yes or no? What service? At which org? Number eight. If it were to align, would you consider joining staff or the Sea Org now or in the future? Uh, Please fill this in and hand it to a staff member before you leave in all caps. Goodness. Yeah, I didn't fill that out, but I saved it because I thought that was very entertaining. No, you can't have it. (laughs) Can't have it. Have a piece. You can borrow it. You know, maybe you would have filled it out, but you were not really allowed to. What happened next? (laughs) Oh, yes, that's right. I didn't get a chance. So... I moved over to the other side. I thought I'd get a better view of the lectern. Uh, There was a woman who came over, a lovely African-American woman. She had been standing with a group and she saw me sitting there by myself and said, I need to talk to this guy. She came over and sat next to me. Well, it was still fairly empty there. And yeah, she was showing me her website. She produces music and she was asking me about what I do. And we were having this whole long conversation. And immediately- I wonder if she produces music at Mad Hatter Studios, which Scientology owns. I don't know. Mm. That's very interesting. 
But yeah, she said she'd been in it for many years. Immediately, she started talking about, you know, like, of course, the classes I'd already taken. And then she was saying, I would love to sign you up for the Purif. And I said, oh, well, actually, I've already been talking to others about it, mm-hmm. even though, you know, I know I've disenfranchised from the LA org. But I thought, no, I don't want to yeah. start down this path. Yeah. But then she was like kind of uncomfortably like, well, well, here, give me your number. And then, you know, I'll, I'll communicate with you and we can get you signed up. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's really, that's okay. And I don't know how I got out of that, but I did okay. somehow. And then she brought over her other friend. Oh, she leads classes. And so then that girl is also trying to get me to sign up for oh, a class. Boy. She didn't have quite the strong will that this first woman did. Uh-huh. But I just remember thinking at that moment, like, man, if this were really about, like, if the real focus were helping people or, you know, making the world a better place. Like that, that's what we talk about in our conversations, but all Mm. the conversations immediately steer to how do I sign you up for something? Mm -hmm. I guess the alternate argument there is just signing you up is making you happier. That's sending you on that path. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, finally the room started filling up and they were making announcements, but this was now like past seven Mm o'clock. I was like, oh, come on. Yeah. You know, you told me to get here at this point, be seated by 630. And just now, finally, it's happening. So once the room filled up, it was full and the screen came on, like there was a projector and it took me a while. Like at first they're playing like these musical performances and I was like, oh, okay, they're just playing like, maybe this is from the New Year's celebration. They're replaying old music. And I was confused for a while because they were showing this room. I'm like, oh, what what are we looking at? And then I realized this is not the actual event. Mm. There were two areas and there were a bunch of people outside who were kind of walking off over to the left along this like large round walkway and going into this other theater that I wasn't really familiar with. Mm -hmm. And so I hadn't put it together. That's where the main event was. Okay. And this was like the overflow room, which still had like over a thousand people. And and I was like a little crestfallen, like, oh man, I'm not even like- Yeah, and you could have been in the main room. You were there super early. I know. I could have just wandered over there. Maybe I needed tickets for that or something. Uh But yeah, I was being funneled into this area. And when I had been there with all these Sea Org members, I had just assumed like, oh, this is where it's happening. Yeah, sure. So wait, were the couple of thousand people in just the overflow? room or both like both of them had like over a thousand people i'd say yeah it was a gathering yeah and again they mentioned that hooray they had brought people from all over the world uh, within scientology yeah but they definitely filled out this room (laughs) uh but yeah the the music continued i'd say a little too long they did like maybe eh, six or seven musical numbers it's like okay yep this is starting to sound a lot like the new year's celebration i have to sing this many songs very talented performers there was one woman in particular who was a lead singer and she was fantastic i don't know who the singer was but like wow you're really good maybe i should recognize you or something Hmm. um but you don't know who it was uh uh-uh blonde lady so finally it all ended and uh they brought up david miscavige he did like the main introduction he did you were like david speak miscavige you know who i am i I know who you are (laughs) and uh so he did like all of his like those are all the great things that are happening in scientology we are opening these things and all the flashing graphics everything you Mm -hmm. saw at the new year celebration very enthusiastic about everything going on in scientology nothing bad everything good and all those insane numbers that you were talking about Mm -hmm. like there's no way that's true that does not make sense Uh Uh, and And that isn't a sentence exactly 24 times the rate of increase times its magnitude right and and we're doing the standing ovation so immediately i was like oh let's count Uh so one standing ovation (laughs) uh 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 (laughs) and so yeah that number was going up and it would be awkward sometimes because i was sitting near uh, like I was kind of on the right hand side closer to the front 
And I'd posted another picture too. That's important mm-hmm. uh, from this new seat over on the right hand side. There was like a, a particularly excited group of Scientologists like right in front of me. And so like they would stand up immediately. Uh-huh. The, there were a lot of like half standing ovations. Got it. But everyone in the main room was standing. Sure. God. Wasn't as much societal pressure in the <sighs> room. Right. Got it. But definitely, we stood many times. And then after Miscavige, they had all of those like fast paced people like telling their testimonials about like going up the bridge, you know, has increased my throughput by 500. Yeah. And like the music was so loud. It was like almost completely overpowering what they were saying. Oh, uh huh. Yeah. And I almost almost wondered like if they were intentionally trying to like stop people from recording it because you wouldn't be able to tell what they were saying without seeing like the subtitles Uh on the video. I'm not sure, but it just, it made me think that. Yeah, probably not, but that's strange. Because, you know, when those things leak on the internet, it's usually kind of an embarrassment because it's such jargon, Uh crazy jargon. So yeah, there was just this triumphant, fast, fast, fast music, you know, going as they're just saying all these things. And it was, as you've seen before, like that graphic in the background with the bridge, like the golden bridge, and they're all talking excitedly. Anyways, so they played that just crazy amped up music. It was uncomfortably amped up. Mm -hmm. And then they brought up a historian who had just written a biography of L. Ron Hubbard, but I I got the implication it hadn't come out yet. Okay. Um, And obviously... I want to read that. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously, a Scientology-approved biographer. And so he was then going to share with us... the sources for that are a dynamite. (laughs) He presented L. Ron Hubbard's Travels Through Asia, and uh, it was that same kind of video where it's half sepia tone, half black and white, Mm -hmm. and they're presenting like different episodes. There was also a little bit about World War II and... You know, all these little stories about how clever L. Ron Hubbard was and how he confused somebody else because they couldn't explain what he was doing. Or he said one thing that showed that they were truly a fool and didn't understand their expertise. Uh, all of these little kind of stories. Yeah, very monk on top of the mountain stories. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It was interesting. I was most interested in the stories about the mysticism in like Bangladesh, India, on his other travels. So they were talking about people doing the rope trick and climbing up a rope and then disappearing and a man being buried for 30 days and uh, right. L. Ron Hubbard himself went down there and examined and there was no escape possible. No. Oh, well, then. <laughs> yeah. of course he would know. Oh, uh, what were some of the other tricks he was fooled by? Oh, uh, he was friends with a firewalker. Ah, firewalking. We did that. They had this visualization. They had reenacted, you know, this man walking across the, the coals, except they had never seen coals. And mm-hmm. so instead they did it as like, it looked like a, almost like a plate of metal that had little, <laughs> it, it looked like it was done with CG or something, but it had little cracks in it and it was like glowing red and like, nope, that's Weird. not, that's not what Coles no. looked like. It was the strangest visual and I don't know how they got that, but not Coles. Huh. He told this ridiculous story about L. Ron Hubbard going to this temple and finding this ancient wise man. Then they played L. Ron Hubbard's own words. And it was L. Ron Hubbard describing this. He said, so I came into the room and I wanted to talk to the man, but you couldn't talk to him directly. You had to send a message to a little boy who carried your message on a stick to the man. I would send the message and uh, give it to the little boy and he'd put it, I'd put it on the stick for him. Then he'd hand it to the other boy who would put it on his stick and then he would carry it to the wise old guru and, and then he would get a response and he would bring it back and he would put it on the stick and he would give it to the other boy and he seriously like went through this whole process like five times going Mm -hmm. back and forth just describing it traveling from one boy and one (laughs) stick to the other 
it to the point where it was just absurd and uh-huh. he was having fun with it. Uh-huh. Like, you're still listening to me say this right, annoyingly right. long story, but there was no like shaggy dog punchline at the end. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Very weird. And everyone like clapped uproariously for that standing <laughs> ovation. Totally stupid. So I think it was in the middle of one of those stories when I noticed that there is a guy walking up and down the aisle, mm-hmm. a Sea Org member. And he's kind of looking at his phone, and then he's looking up at the crowd, looking down at his phone, looking up at the crowd. And I'm thinking, huh, is he Mm -hmm. looking for me? Mm -hmm. And so he kind of wanders past me each direction, and it's dark, you know, so he's trying to, like, scan the faces as he can. So finally, he kind of stops in front of me for a bit and then stands behind me for a bit, and I kind of see him texting out of the corner of my eye. And then he comes over to me and says, can you come with me? You didn't say, are you Ross? Well, oh. you know, it was in the middle of a okay. ceremony going on. Yeah, but okay. So I say, sure. And so <laughs> sure, I, scary man. I get up. Yeah, a uh, tall, bald man. Uh, like he shaved his head. Uh-huh. A younger fellow, though. I'd say he's about my age, but mm-hmm. you know, much taller, bigger guy. And so I follow him out, and he's checking every five seconds to look back. You know, am I still following him, or uh-huh. have, I, have I bolted for it? So we walk all the way to the back of the room, again, really big room, and then we walk, you know, to the side, and then out. And then he turns around and says, are you Ross? Uh-huh. Yep. You're going to be great if then you're like, no, I'm Gary. What's up? <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> That'd be you awesome. You go back to your seat. And he said, I'm Lon. Oh, hi, Lon. Lon? Lon. L-O-N, like Lon Chaney. Oh, yeah. For some reason, you said Lon, and I pictured, like, L-A-W-N. <laughs> get off my lawn. I'm Lon. This is my friend Cactus. He says, you're not a Scientologist. Are you a Scientologist? <laughs> and I kind of... Weird double speak. Yeah. And so I kind of hem and haw for a bit. I was like, well, uh, huh. I kind of actually I am. The root of the word sigh. <laughs> <laughs> if I did that, then they'd be like, oh, you are a true Scientologist. <laughs> but I didn't think to do that. Uh, so I said, well, k- kind of yes, I am. He's like, well, what does that mean? I said, well, uh, you know, I've signed up for the IAS, so I'm technically a member of the Church of Scientology, but no, probably the way you're thinking. He said, all right, so why are you here? And I said, well, I was invited. Thought it sounded fun. Well, who invited you? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, it was an email invitation. I got it like three or four times. And he said, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this whole time he's like texting on his phone. So uh-huh. he's communicating with somebody. Just barely glancing up at you. We, oh, yes. Yeah, barely. Yeah, pretty much he's just staring at his phone for this entire conversation. He's speaking very curtly. And so he said, okay, yeah, but who invited you? <laughs> and I said, oh, well, uh, it was an email list. You see, what happens is like you sign up for <laughs> emails and then they, they send them to your inbox and it's like from a distribution list. And he said, but do you have a name? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was an email that <laughs> I got. Let me explain to you how the internet works. I signed up. for. Yeah, I was totally like, do we need to have this conversation? <laughs> and he told me also that, uh, you know, this is an event for Scientologists and it's to honor our founder. And I said, oh, yeah, I get that. He's like, well, why were you here? Well, because I wanted to learn more about your founder. Uh-huh. Sounded interesting. Uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't happy with that response. Uh, he said, you are not allowed at this event. I said, oh, okay, well, I was invited. What? Wasn't told that, but, but okay. Yeah, if you don't want me here, I can go. And he asked, well, did you take any photos? And I said, yes. And clearly he knew you that. knew that. Yeah. And uh, I said, yes, I did take some photos. And he said, well, I'm going to need to see you delete those. <laughs> and uh, and so I said, oh, well, uh, actually, you have no right to do that, I'm, I'm afraid. I'm, I don't have to comply with that. Yeah, good for you. And uh, he said, well, um, hmm. and so he texts for a bit and again, says, uh, I don't need to touch your phone, but I'm going to need to see you delete those. 
So people are so certain that they have this right. It's so strange. I've run into this with activism really? before. Yeah, with when I was uh, working formally working in animal rights, people do this all the time. They'd be like, "Okay, you you know, before you go, you got to delete the photos of our public event." It's <laughs> like, "Hey, even if it were private photos in your house, I wouldn't have the legal yeah. obligation to do that." Yeah. And secondly, there are a thousand people here. So I said, sorry, it's my personal property. I said, what I can do for you is I will promise not to post anything after this point. So Uh sorry, everybody can't share these photos with you Uh because I made a personal promise to Lon. Fine. And uh, then he asked if I took any videos. I said, nope. He asked, uh, did you record audio? And I said, nope. And he's looking at my phone because it's in my breast pocket. Uh And he asked, are you recording this now? Nope. And so he says, because if you are, I do not authorize this. These are unauthorized photos. I said, okay, that's fine. (laughs) He said, and any recordings are unauthorized by the state of California. That's not how that works. (laughs) (laughs) Not how that works, but I'm not recording you anyway. Yeah. All right, whatever. But uh, I I know my rights. And Uh um, and so I said, well, it sounds like you don't want me here. So I'm going to go. Uh-huh. And so he's texting busily into his phone, and I'm kind of waiting for him to respond to that. Uh-huh. Okay, we done now? Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, so finally he looks up, and I say, like, so shall I go now? He's like, yes, you're going to go. Ooh, oh, you said it. Burn. It's not me offering to go. It's you telling me to go. I got it. You can't quit. You're fired. <laughs> exactly. So I wandered off, and I'm, I'm walking, I'm walking. And I feel he's behind me. He's following mm-hmm. me. And so I start going down the many flights of escalators. And the, the little system there is confusing. Yeah. And at one point, I round a corner because the previous one, like, you rounded the corner to get on the next escalator going down. Uh, but this time, like, I rounded it. And this was one coming up. And uh-huh. so I backed up right into him because he was, like, right <laughs> on my tail. Oh, no. and, oh excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, Lord. <laughs> get off my lawn. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry. Oh, are you following me? And so... <laughs> Uh, I make my way all the way down to the first floor and then I round a corner and I'm headed back out to the street and I just quickly pull into a little nook. And so he walks past me for a second and then he's looking around like, where'd he go? Very <laughs> like a uh, 30s spy movie. And yeah, so we've already got this cloak and dagger thing going on. And so he stops, he turns around, he looks at me and I take a picture of him. Cause, nice. Because I'm like, oh, we're on public property now and there's no way you can say that this right. is still your event. You followed me out on to uh-huh. almost the street here. And he comes over and says- Which to be clear, you could take a picture of him in his, his event too. Oh, totally. But, yeah. but this one I'm posting. And yeah. uh, <laughs> so he comes over and says, uh, we don't have to play this game all night. I said, Great. no, no, we don't actually. I'm, I'm, I'm out of your event, so you can go back to it. Uh-huh. He's like, I want to make sure you're off the premises. All right, well- On this public street here? I could do the standoff there. I said, oh, I've got all night. But uh, eventually I did kind of wander out. And so then he followed me a little ways. And Jeez. I pulled out again on the street. And then I noticed there was another Scientologist who came out and was watching me. He, it was for a little while, it was me like kind of watching who was following me. And the other guy seemed to give up pretty quickly. And the first guy gave up and seemed to let that second guy take over i slipped him pretty easily i don't think they were that committed to following me Mm -hmm. and then eventually got back on the subway and went back home great good fun and when i got home i knew they were uh, monitoring our facebook page i was really tempted to post on facebook you'll never guess who made their way back into the party Uh (laughs) because 
I thought it would have been so fun to like have them go wander around and look for him. Like, where is he? He's here. We know it. Uh, and then I, I talked to Carrie first and she said, well, why don't you just say, you'll never guess where I am now. Uh-huh. And so I did that. And then I think I just ended up worrying a bunch of our listeners like, where is he? Is he okay? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and then you posted later like, oh, I was just playing with you guys. I'm home and safe <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That was uh, pretty fun. Yeah, it sounds like a good night. Too bad I wasn't invited. Aww. Why do you get both kicked out and invited? I'm <laughs> Seriously, I'm where's the respect? Yeah. Oh, goodness. What else did we do? Okay, so there was one final thing we did with Scientology. Mm-hmm. But it wasn't Scientology, of course, of course, of course. It was really the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. Yes. Af- after all this had happened, we know they know who we are. Mm-hmm. We know we may or may not be suppressive people. It's not clear. Yeah. I thought I'd email them and try to clarify that. Yes. I emailed... Just the, like, the main yeah, church email address. Yeah, their general info line or whatever it is. For L. And explains the sitch Mm -hmm. again. You guys know the whole story, so I won't repeat it, but explain everything that had happened. And again, said, if you don't want us there, we won't be there. That is fine. But we'd love some clarification, like, are we labeled SPs? Are we welcome to come to events? Do you not want us at events? Shall we take more classes? Yeah. Can we come back? Um, And there was no reply. Oh. No reply at all. Okay. So you and I are kind of reviewing what we can do next, uh, if anything. And yeah, and things, we've been making our episodes. And one of the things that we had thought about doing during this whole investigation but hadn't gotten around to was go back to a place we'd been together but long ago. Uh-huh. Psych- and Carrie has been to many times. <laughs> many, many times. Psychiatry and Industry, Industry of, of Death, Death Museum. Museum. Yeah, which is this, this museum on Sunset Boulevard here in Hollywood. By the Citizens Commission on Human Rights. Which is basically Scientology. Another one of their little, you know, sub-organizations. Yes. It's not Scientology, but it is. They're very anti-psychiatry, and I don't just mean the excesses of psychiatry or the abuses of psychiatry. They are anti-psychiatry. Anything loosely related to psychiatry, let us provide some loosely related things. Yes. To implicate psychiatry. It is all bad. So they don't believe in the use of psychiatric drugs as we've learned about yeah and this this all started with l ron hubbard himself who was disenfranchised by the psychiatric community and kind of immediately said you guys are bad and evil and hurt people right and you don't want everyone to have the truth very sour grapes so we had both been before that museum is an adventure in itself and we could probably do more than one episode about just that museum so easily we're gonna like we're gonna give you the light version but we're gonna really gloss over a lot of it if you come here to la and you've got two hours to spare (laughs) you gotta go or three hours yeah you gotta go gotta go uh but we wanted to go and see so what's the system now if we go and they see us and we say our names are Ross and Carrie, is a light bulb going to go off? Are they going, do they have a blacklist there? Are they going to Google us right away? Do they call the Scientology building and ask about visitors? And that was tonight, May 25th, 2016. This was four hours ago. And yeah, we just wanted to see, is there an alert system? Have they put our picture up? Mm -hmm. You know, are you supposed to turn us away on site? we just saw our pictures, like grainy black and white photos, like taped up, do not serve. Dine and ditch. That would be amazing. I would be really happy about that. We took some pictures in front thinking mm-hmm. we, this might be it. Like we might just get kicked out the second we walk in. Right. We walk inside. 
uh-huh. young lady rises to see us and is very normal about it. Hi, yeah. Hispanic how are you guys? lady comes over yeah. and uh, uh, you here for a tour? I'm like, yeah, yeah, we are. Oh, can you sign this for us, can please? You, can you write your names down here? And we do. And I think we're both just waiting like every second is like, uh-huh. well, now it happens. Right. Now they're going to say something, <laughs> even though we're talking to the same person. And they want to know your profession. I say animation. You say? Journalist. <laughs> I love that. Like, you're just like, well, see if Fuck I can it. trigger this. <laughs> yeah. Google me. Google yeah, this. Go ahead. Yeah. She's like, have you been here before? We're both like, oh, yeah. Yeah, it's been a while, yep. but yep, yep. Yep, we've been here. Woo! <laughs> well, then you know you can't take photos. Yes. That was the first this, right? of like four times they told us not to take photos. Right. It's oh. not because we're mean. It's because there's copyright. What? Okay. What is that's that even? No, that no, that's not means. why we can't take photos. <laughs> but then this other woman comes out and she kind of circles the desk and sits down and she's glaring She at us. is. She's giving us the stink eye. She does not like us. And, both, and it's a, at least what I read in, in her eyes were like, I can't place who you are. Right. I know you are Something's bad. wrong. And so we're like, okay, this, this is it. This is going to no, be this is in it. a moment. <laughs> and, and just to describe this, it's on Sunset Boulevard. It's like this cement building uh, that has very like rectangular edges. And there's all these big posters saying, we are the watchdog. We protect human rights. Right. And uh, so then you walk in and there's this nice desk and, you know, it's all very well designed, Scientology looking mm-hmm. kind of place. White, man. Yeah, yeah. To the left, then there's this crazy rusted facade mm-hmm. that has like this big red psychiatry, like it's glowing red. And a quote from Dante's Inferno. Yeah. It's like, yeah, you are entering the gates of hell yeah. kind of thing. Whoa. <laughs> Dark, Hardcore, man. Dark. Yeah, and like, you know, there's these rusted swinging doors that they have there. So yeah, it's all very dramatic. Uh-huh. Before she actually lets us go through those doors, though, she says something that just set off a little ding in my head. You know, now the- these days, psychiatrists can diagnose you with anything. Like, you drink too much coffee. Oh, now you have <laughs> yeah, a disorder. Right. And I knew, I remember reading those news stories. I knew what she was talking about. Oh. Because when they were updating the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual, they were deciding whether to add this substance abuse disorder that was a little broader of a category and one of the things they considered adding was caffeine but they didn't oh okay they didn't and i'm looking at it right now it says each specific substance other than caffeine which cannot be diagnosed as a substance use disorder is addressed as a separate use disorder so it's not even that's not even right but anyway but it's one of the first things you hear when you walk in the psychiatry and industry (laughs) of death misinformation right off the top and so uh she brings us into that first room and we're like okay well we're coming in and it's like almost like a padded room Uh, oh it is a padded room okay i guess that's what they're trying to uh to show there's like in a psychiatric facility you're in the padded room and you watch this introduction video and so the lady leaves us there and says okay well we're gonna watch this introduction video then we'll come back and get you and so we're both picturing them going outside and being like, this is Ross and Carrie. Get right. them out. Yeah. So we're watching this movie, the movie which I've now seen at least nine <laughs> times because oh, I've been wow. to the museum nine times. Wow. <sighs> the, this the, is where you used to bring boyfriends. <laughs> this, is, this has gotten a little overblown. <laughs> <laughs> But that's true. I did take a couple of first dates because <laughs> first it's, date. <laughs> it's great. It's a great way to find out whether someone has a good sense of humor. Sure. It really is. Oh, yeah. Or at least whether you share the same sense of humor. Right. So we're watching this video. 
which relies heavily on a guy named Thomas Saws, who was the co-founder of Yeah, like S-Z-A-S-Z. Yeah, he's in it like a ton. And then there are a bunch of other psychiatrists and psychiatric experts talking. And I know that at least a couple of the people who were featured in the video have now like spoken out and been like, I had no idea what this video was for. It's completely taken out of context. Mm. So actually, I wrote down every name that I found, and I want to email some of those people and see like who's on board with this project and who's not. Man, just before we say anything, like trying to fact check this would be such a monumental effort. It really would. It really would. There's just claims everywhere, Everywhere. right and left, and and you just suspect, you know, that things are being taken out of context. So it's it's really hard for me, like just to know how to parse that because I'm taking in information. But I'm also at the same time like realizing, well, this is probably highly selective and suspect. Uh-huh. And uh, I have a hard time dealing with how to absorb that. Yeah, it's tough. It's it's similar to something we were talking about not long ago about when you go to a talk. There's just sort of this implicit understanding. Okay, the person speaking gets way more preparation than I do and will have the upper hand mm, because right. all I can ask is follow up. I can't ask original questions and they got to. Okay. Yep, yep. Yeah, so the movie is, you know, uh, I, I would say suspicious, but... Uh, it's like eight minutes long. Yeah. And it's just, it's setting up, you know, how psychiatry is not real science and they're just making up all of these prescriptions that they hand out and it's just to like fuel this billions of dollars industry. Right. And they're kind of making the whole claim for the whole museum, of course, before you get started. Right. And people get hurt by psychiatric drugs, which of course is true. Therefore, they shouldn't be prescribed at all. Mm -hmm. Um, We don't know how these drugs work totally, which is sort of true. Um, But therefore, they don't work. Wait a minute. Hang on. Uh, Those things aren't necessarily connected. The lights come on. And did you? I thought, like, I was expecting someone else to walk in and say, Exactly. "Uh, Hello. Are you Ross and Carrie? Yeah. Yeah. And so we were both expecting that. And it was a different lady. So Uh we're here. It is. Yep. Here it is. The lady with a clipboard. But it wasn't the same one who'd been given us the stink eye. No, it was a third woman. Short hair, older lady, uh, very thin. Mm -hmm. We'll call her. Rachel. So she comes in. She's like, oh, gosh, got to get these lights to work. Hang on. <laughs> tap, tap, tap. Okay. So you're just going to go through this door and start your self-guided tour. And we're both like, oh, 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 <laughs> oh, 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 you're not kicking us out. Okay. okay. We didn't say that, but we yeah. thought that. Right. That would be amazing. <laughs> And we go in there and she shows us around a little bit and we're like, yeah, yeah, okay. And her her tap, tap, tapping is on an iPad that Mm -hmm. she proudly carries around everywhere and she's constantly fiddling with things. You know, can I brighten this for you? Yeah. Should I I dim this down? She has control of that whole building on that iPad, which is pretty fun. And she's showing us how we can operate the machinery. But, but as soon as you walk into this room, whoa, creepy room. Uh Uh, This museum is filled with horrific images. Yeah. And I think that's why they don't want you to take pictures because then it's just going to be like Scientology creepy Mm, interesting see I think I think they're just thinking about it wrong I think most articles online or podcasts or anything about Scientology most of the stuff you see is negative and they've just tried to clamp down on that by controlling the output and being like you just can't you can't have our pictures you can't have our audio you can't have anything we hear that more or less at different locations I think in particular the imagery at the psychiatry and industry of death that's true museum is uh very dark and could easily you know be a ridiculed or uh-huh. spoken about and I'm sure has so yeah. I, I feel that's okay. why they want to control the image there and preserve that experience but yeah it's like walking into one of these like Christian hell houses or something yes. it's creepy 
baby. And she assures us right away that no, <laughs> no one's going to jump, jump out, out at you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Yeah. That's helpful. And then she warns us like, and just around the corner, you'll see the man hanging there. That's just a mannequin and uh-huh. he doesn't move at all. And so, yeah, he's strapped up to this torture looking device thing. And on the wall nearest us, there's like a lady uh, strapped up in a similar torture device thing. And it looks like something from The Ring. Right. It's, it's grainy it's black and white photography. I'm, I'm totally just habituated to it now. So I'm just like, oh, yep, this room. And it's dark and it's like, you know, rust and brickwork. And oh, yeah. it's And then there's all these little implements of torture all over the place. Yeah. Again, we're not going to get like too much into what's in the museum, but it's all very questionable statistics. She shows us the timeline. All this starts in the 1500s. Bloodletting was part of this and eugenics is all part of psychiatry's aims and the holocaust there's like a whole room where you see shower heads over the walkway (laughs) and like barbed wire (laughs) and they're you know very clearly saying the holocaust was based on the will of psychiatrists you know these people trying to mess with others and believing in all this pseudoscience of darwinism etc Right. It's obviously true that a lot of terrible people have used psychiatry, but also (laughs) a lot of terrible people have used money or eaten food. Right. Uh, Yeah. And so they're trying to link any example of, you know, any pseudoscience immediately that psychiatry. Right. Racism. Psychiatry. Yeah. And there's like you walk by and there's little plaques on the wall saying whites only. This Mm -hmm. is the colored fountain. They've got like a little fountain there. Yeah. And they're constantly mocking up this stuff. You walk into another room and they show like halves of human heads. This is the horrible sort of thing that people do in psychiatric wards. They, Mm -hmm. They experiment on people and cut them up. And there's all this discussion of rape and abuse. And and then there's like this really creepy full body restraining device. Uh, You get to another section of the museum and they're equating terrorism with psychiatry. And one of their examples is that Osama bin Laden's right hand man happened to be a psychiatrist. Okay. (laughs) And and I mean, if his right hand man had been a Scientologist, would you be making this point? Right. There's all these pictures of the Twin Towers burning. And then they're blaming school shootings on psychiatric drugs that are given to kids. There's a whole display of celebrities that have died from psychiatric medication or killed themselves. Right. And that's where you really get into like the really sticky correlation versus causation problem, especially when you're talking about treating a disease. A person who has depression, oh, wow, they had antidepressants in their system when they killed (laughs) themselves, must have been the drugs. (laughs) Uh, And sometimes it will be, of course, but also entirely possible that they were trying to control the depression and didn't. Yeah, so that's all very intense. You all should go. Super graphic. Oh, and and videos everywhere. And she wanted us to like click on each video. She mm-hmm. was saying, oh yeah, and each one is like, you know, eight to 10 minutes long. But there's like 15. You'd be in that museum forever. Yeah. And I'm a slow museum goer. Uh-huh. I want to stop and read everything. And I was being eh, fairly thorough. It took us two hours to get through the museum. Could have easily taken three. And this is my ninth time. Oh, <sighs> So you've spent almost a whole day in the psychiatry and industry of death museum. So we get to, (laughs) that's terrible. (laughs) So we get to the last video and that's where they first mentioned that it's affiliated with the, the church of Scientology. First time we heard the word Scientology. Now I do want to say I have been there before where the introductory talk includes the words church of Scientology. Okay. So that could have been anything, but we watched that. It says something about Scientology. You turn to me and say, oh, is this affiliated with Scientology? <laughs> like, mm-hmm, yeah, I think so. And just to say, about every five to eight minutes, the woman would walk through. And we'd be like, this is it. <laughs> like she's doing runs. Yeah, and every single time we thought, oh, no. 
She's going to come up and say, we looked you up. Yeah. Get out of here. Or, uh, you know, you said you were a journalist. We Googled you uh-huh. and saw that your writings don't seem in line with someone who would think this was a cool museum. But no, she wanted to let us know. Oh, the actually, the Electroshock exhibit is actually down right now. So yeah. if you want to see that video, we can pull it I up for you. I can still show the, it to you. In the theater later. <laughs> no, it's okay. okay that's She's okay. like, but I think that's our most graphic and disturbing one. No, I, I'm good. I'm disturbed. Yeah. I'm t- yeah. thoroughly disturbed. Yeah, don't Thank worry. you. Yeah. So we keep running into her. The other woman, the woman who had greeted us at the beginning, she came through once. And then I was like, well, this is it. (laughs) No, that wasn't it. And when we got out at the end, the stink eye lady was still giving us the stink eye. Still giving us the stink eye. (laughs) She just does that to everybody. (laughs) But Rachel came by and she said, so I read that you were a journalist. Uh Uh, And Carrie kind of stops. She says, so are you doing a story about this? And I say, about the CCHR? (laughs) Because... Yeah, repeating their questions back to them. Always (laughs) always a good tactic. Well, I think maybe somewhere in my little tiny carry brain, Uh I was thinking, it's about Scientology, not about the citizen's (laughs) question of being right. Depends. Are you affiliated with Scientology? So I was like, no. But you clearly didn't like that answer. Yeah. And then I realized that's just a lie. There's no way around that. So then I said, well, we actually have a podcast where we talk about things we do sometimes. Yeah. And we could potentially talk about this. And she says, okay, okay. Well, let me get you this card of people you can contact for media assistance. (laughs) She can't find that card. She gives me like a social media card. We had a clear line to the door by then. So, you know, who cares? We could run for it. This is so crazy. So, it has dawned on her that I'm a journalist. It dawns on her that we might cover this. She's been goofing around on her phone. Uh-huh. At no point does she Google my name. Let me Google Carrie Poppy journalist. journalist. That's a good idea. Me too. Google.com. Journalist. Carrie Poppy journalist. See, I get my Twitter. I get Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, LinkedIn your website. Ono Ross and Carrie, Wikipedia, about us, Ono Ross and Carrie. Articles by Carrie Poppy, CSI. Yeah, if you just if you didn't at look this. too carefully, actually, yeah. that wouldn't do it. So then she gives us a couple of surveys to fill out. <laughs> One of which I did not understand the question. It was oh, in really? such Scientology speak. It said something like, "Have you had any successes at the museum yeah, that was or with so bringing people?" Silly. I just wrote, "I do not know what that means." I wrote, "I was successful in bringing my friend with me today." <laughs> Very successful, Ross. Yeah. Very good job. Oh, yeah. I filled all of them out in like, you know, full sentence, uh, uh-huh. sometimes essay form. I did write your welcome at the bottom because it said, thank you, exclamation point. <laughs> but if, when she was reading mine, she was mumbling to herself and she was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I noticed she immediately read yours. Good. As far as I know, they just took mine. They're like, yeah, whatever. Oh, they're like, who cares about him? Uh He's not a journalist. She read yours in front of you, and that was awkward. I was like, what did Carrie write? Yeah. Because I know before we've gone to events where you've written very critical things Uh on the feedback forms. Yeah, fortunately. I did say something like, what would you like to see us do in the future? Yes. And I said something like, I'd like to see you engage more with the media so you could get a healthy back and forth or something that Ah. was like implying like, I'm not sure all the stories here, but that was, that was it. I said, I'd like to see even more efforts to help people who are wrongfully or against their will, you know, detained. Oh, (laughs) are you the gold base? (laughs) That might've been the implication. (laughs) 
So then we went into... But that's like the one thing they said they did or aimed to do right. that I thought was a good cause. Sure. And then they mostly listed things in the 80s. And they would also, they would list things like the CCHR with the assistance of the police and the media. Yeah, and then you're like, okay, was it just like, one of you? And I think like maybe you tagged along yeah. and now you're giving them credit yeah. uh, for helping you when right. you were... Not even helping them. Right. My suspicion. Could um, be wrong. So then we went into the bookstore. We looked around there. Didn't buy anything. Yeah, she like she gave us a description of like every single book they I know, sell. When we had just told her we were so hungry. And yeah. she's like, now this book over here is this. But you can get all that information on our website. Okay, well, then can we go? <laughs> anyway. Yeah, they, they didn't. These people. They didn't know who we were. Very bad Googlers. And this is a point that I, right after the birthday celebration, I kind of wish I had raised with Lon, which was, I'm not disrupting anything. Uh-huh. You know, right. I was friendly and engaged and talking with all the people around me, going along, clapping. Oh, standing ovations, by the way, eight before uh. I left about an hour and a half <laughs> into the event. Cool. So, Ross, that's the end of our personal experiences with Scientology. To this point. To this point, yeah. Who knows what will happen in the future. But I want to address a few things that people have asked us about. Let's do it. Number one, are we scared? Uh, Not particularly. Me neither. I mean, certainly I was suspecting at some point. We've heard stories Mm -hmm. of journalists being hounded by Scientology. Uh, There's a lot of documentation about that. But uh, yeah, so far I haven't seen anything that would lead me to believe that we've been followed in our daily lives. Mm -hmm. Uh, And we haven't heard any kind of official response from the church. They've been entirely quiet. Yeah. I'm not scared either. I mean, I'm cautious, right? I care about my safety and my family's safety. But but yeah, I'm not scared either. I think... We live in a particularly safe place for journalists, as far as uh, our rights as reporters are concerned. And we've been very careful about, you know, making sure we're acting within our rights. Legal rights, yep. And also there's a couple of other factors. One is that I think... Uh, So much of the cat has been let out of the bag already and that Mm -hmm. Scientology has kind of expended a lot of money and effort in trying to quash these things. And now in the age of the internet, not so easy to do that. The other thing that kind of plays on that is that we didn't get that far into the process. And so we can't share like, you know, any super high level information from our experience. Right. Uh, And so I think it's less of a focus or an imperative for them than say someone who was at the top echelons and abdicated. Yeah, which those stories are more important than ours and people should if you haven't heard those stories and i suspect most of you have but if you haven't you should seek those stories out they're great and that's been horrifying yeah and and that's been another thing is that people have said like oh well you need to talk about all of these horrible things that the church is doing and again that's kind of uh, on some levels outside the scope of our show because it's already been told more and better by people who really lived it and know it firsthand and we'll talk about a little bit of those just to give you a taste of it but Mm -hmm. I also want to say about being scared, I do feel like I've gotten a few messages, and again, we're saying a lot when really the bulk of people have been hugely supportive and wonderful and not scared for us, just proud of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I would hate <laughs> to live my life not doing important things because I was scared of doing them. Right. Uh, of course, there's always some trade-off. You think about like, okay, maybe I'm 10% scared. Is that an okay trade-off for me mm-hmm. to do the right thing? And I think that this was an important thing we wanted to do. And, and we, we put a to... lot of thought into that too. Right. We've certainly protected ourselves and um, prepared for likely risks that could come up. 
Um, and from but, our personal experience, we uh, cannot say that the Church of Scientology has been horrible or terrible to us. To us, and from our personal experience, we can say that the Church of Scientology has not made our lives difficult. Mm-hmm. But there are important other stories out there that that you should hear. A lot of really good books, a lot of really good documentaries, uh, a lot of important websites. One of the things I'd like our listeners to take from this, though, is. If you're tempted to talk to someone who's doing work you admire and say, you shouldn't do this because it's scary, I think what you should be saying is, it's scary, so I'm proud of you, and I will support you if things do go badly, Mm. because that's what we'd rather hear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Okay, so... Ross. Hey. A few things that we didn't get told about in our journey in Scientology, but we'll very briefly tell you about just in case somehow you've been living (laughs) under a rock and don't know about this. (laughs) Yeah. There are some sort of zany Scientology beliefs that you don't learn about until you're pretty embedded. Zany? Zany and Zenu. Zenu. Yeah. So Zenu. Everybody wants to talk about Zenu as soon as Scientology comes up. Yep. So Zenu is a galactic overlord. He's still alive. 75 million years ago, he, oh goodness. You know, it's just Google South Park Scientology. It's a much better explanation (laughs) of what you learn at OT3. Uh, But Scientologists seem to find it disrespectful for people outside of the faith or even within who aren't at that level to mention Xenu. Oh, not just disrespectful. I think it's supposed to be harmful to you to learn about it too soon. Right. Yes. So that is part of the justification for lying about it. And You could hurt people. For years when they've been asked about it by the media, they'll say, well, doesn't that sound crazy to you? That sounds crazy to me. And that's the way of getting, <laughs> getting around. Yeah. Uh, Can we please talk about something else? Can we please talk about something else? I will get yeah. up and walk away if you continue to talk about Xenu. Right. So yeah. So Tom Cruise doesn't want to talk about Xenu. Tommy Davis didn't want to talk about Xenu when he was still the media spokesperson. They have no media spokesperson now. Right. Also, volcanoes came volcanoes. up in Dianetics, and we we promised we would explain oh, the relevance yeah. of the volcano and haven't. Well, and that's related to that whole Xenu story. So he was trying to imprison all these Thetans, and so he locked them away in volcanoes. At some point, they escaped, and they were captured by these giant magnet things. Anyways, yeah, the volcanoes were like where he was putting all these Thetans to punish them. It's so, a hilarious story. It's <laughs> it was written by a science fiction author. Yeah. And it's one of the central beliefs of Scientology, yet you don't get to know about it. My favorite part in that story is that it involves spaceships in the distant past that look exactly like a DC-8 jet, which just happened to be a a jet that L. Ron Hubbard knew about in his (laughs) lifetime. You know, he could pilot any jet he wanted. (laughs) (laughs) That is the equivalent of... In Mormonism, the Golden Plates or mm-hmm. the Book of Abraham. Right, right. Just passing. It's like this silly, is very silly. clearly showing that this could not possibly be true. The Xenu thing reminds me when I was talking to Bob, our friend who is a, a former Sea Org member, he was saying that similarly, the gold base in Hemet uh-huh. is also like a big secret within Scientology where, like, oh. you're not supposed to know where that is. <laughs> what? Uh, until you're higher up in the organization. So the funny thing is, since we all know this. People within Scientology who are lower on, on the oh, ranking. Oh, that's so sad. We don't, all know where gold base is. Don't know where it is because it's supposed to be this guarded uh, secret. That immediately makes me think of like the guy who doesn't know his wife is cheating on him and everyone else does. Oh, yeah. You know? Yeah. That same sort of like, so I you think you're on the inside and everything's good and everyone else knows it's not good. So I hope if you're the person listening to this <laughs> on behalf of the Church of Scientology, 
that that was not news to you. I apologize. Oh, I hope it was. So we're also going to talk really, really briefly about some of the abuses that Scientology has been accused of. And I'm going to emphasize real strong here, you guys. We weren't present for all of these. We're not saying they're true. We're saying this is what they've been accused of, and a lot of these accusations are consistent. Highly consistent. Okay, so one is that they force people to disconnect from their loved ones. Mm-hmm. And disconnection is this idea that if someone is suppressive to the church, which means they're an enemy of the church, that you can't talk to them, you can't have anything to do with them, or else you are now in trouble with the church. Even if they are your son, or if they are your daughter, or your brother, or your, your sister. Mother. Th- think of any relation your you can think uncle. of. Your <laughs> uncle. Not my favorite uncle. I thought he was okay. If they are your second cousin, twice removed, former roommate. Then it's fine. No, you still need to disconnect with them. So they say that it's a voluntary process, but people who fail to disconnect have themselves been labeled suppressives. Mm -hmm. So, okay, it's technically voluntary in that you can refuse to do it and then lose all of your relationships. You found a suppressive declare, right? That said, yes, specifically, this person did not disconnect. Yes. So a couple relevant things there. One is, yeah, on WikiLeaks, there are tons of Scientology documents on WikiLeaks. And I'll let you all go spend a night going down that rabbit hole. But one is the so-called court documents of the internal quote unquote, court review inside Scientology about Mm. this person being declared suppressive. Mm -hmm. So this guy was going to be declared and he appealed to the Scientology court and said, I don't agree. And so then they do have this internal process where someone else reviews your case and decides if you are in fact suppressive. Spoiler, he was. <laughs> but one yeah, of the- how many people win that appeal? I know. Can you imagine? They're you like, know you what? Are, good point. Yeah, you're Solid not. Solid points. You're fine. <laughs> but one of the reasons that he was labeled is that he refused to disconnect from suppressives. Okay. So, <laughs> that's pretty clear. Also, an activist got a guy on camera admitting, a Sea Org member admitting that if you don't disconnect from an SP, you'll be in trouble. That's just on YouTube. We'll mm-hmm. put the link up. And the list of things that make you suppressive is enormous and ridiculous. Mm, really? Um, what kind of things? Copyright violations. So just like using Scientology literature where you haven't been told it's okay. Oh. Using the tech outside the church. So all those splinter groups that still use auditing, but it's just oh, not sanctioned yeah, by the church. Yeah. Publicly criticizing Scientology. Okay. okay. Suing the church or leadership or any member. Whoa. Asking for a refund for services. If you went to the Dianetics seminar and you feel like you didn't get everything you paid for and you ask for a refund, you'll be declared an SP. Wow. So there's no way they can deliver a faulty product. Yeah. Talking to an SP, of course. Publicly leaving Scientology or even telling other staff that you are going to leave. (gasps) Oh my goodness. So there's this website, xscientologykids.com, where they all shared their disconnection stories. That's pretty compelling. But I still don't understand, like, why do people call it a cult? (laughs) You know, your guess is as good as mine, Ross. All right. So one um, of those mysteries. So just to be fair here, Scientology does have an official statement about this connection. Here's what it says. Ooh, ooh, what do they say? Can you read it in an L. Ron Hubbard voice? There is no Scientology disconnection policy that requires church members to disconnect from anyone, let alone family and friends who simply have different beliefs. To the contrary. 
The moral code of Scientology mandates that Scientologists respect the religious beliefs of others. The church encourages excellent family relationships, Scientology or not, and family relations routinely improve with Scientology because the Scientologist learns how to increase communication and resolve any problems that may have previously existed. You should also check out the disconnection billboards if you haven't seen them yet. People are putting up these billboards that say, call me to my Scientologist family member. Call yeah. me. Do Very it, sweet. Scientologist. Call them. Yeah, call them. If you're listening to this, hug yeah. an SP today. Yeah, no one has to know. Another thing they've been accused of is stalking their critics and, and journalists who have written about them right. or spoken about them. I saw a really interesting talk uh, between Tony Ortega. And Paulette Cooper. Yeah. Uh, the book was called The Unbreakable Miss Lovely. Mm-hmm. And uh, so she tells her story about how she had reported on Scientology. And oh boy. They followed her. They sued her. Yeah, they brought 19 lawsuits against her. She was in depositions for 50 days. Yeah, they sent smear letters to her family and neighbors. They said she was a prostitute and had molested a child. And then they forged her fingerprints and a bomb threat to try to get her jailed. Oh, my goodness. The policy there is... Fair game. Yeah, where, you know, hey, if, if they're operating on that tone scale... You can give it right back to them. Yeah, so the fair game policy was something that LRH wrote in 1967, and it said that enemies of the church, and again, enemies are just basically anyone who's criticized the church, are given an SP order and their fair game. They may be deprived of property or injured by any means by any Scientologist without any discipline of the Scientologist, may be tricked, sued, lied to, or destroyed. Wow. Then this got out. Mm -hmm. People thought, So then LRH pulled back on it. The next year he said, Fair game may not appear on any ethics order. It causes bad public relations. (laughs) This PL does not cancel any policy on the treatment or handling of an SP. So basically, you can treat SPs exactly the same, but we don't call it fair <laughs> but, game. That's how I read it. It creates that. bad publicity. Not yeah. that, you know, that's a really shitty thing to do. Right. No, it just... Well, it also sounds like you can basically treat them the same way. The church claims that behavior's over. Mm-hmm. They've said they turned the page on this chapter decades ago, and they haven't been involved in that kind of activity since. It reminds me of, in the Mormon church, them saying... Okay, sure, we said that polygamy was okay, mm-hmm. and we said that blacks couldn't be part of the church until 1978, mm-hmm. but why are you still giving us a hard time about that? Right. Well, because it was in your doctrine, right? and that's problematic. Yeah, and it gets tough, too. Like, I don't claim that any of my beliefs have ever been inspired by God, mm-hmm. but the Mormons and LRH both claim to have this sort of through line to the divine, right? So, right. so why did your beliefs change? The that special claim weird. on knowledge. Yeah. yeah. So it's not enough just to say, hey, we're, we're not using the term fair game anymore. They keep smear websites about countless critics so they have all these websites about you know marty rathman who's one of their defectors apparently they bought the web address for who is leahremini.com i don't think it's up yet but that's their favorite format it seems is who is whoever.com and then they like just right. pull at pieces of that person's past and try to make them seem like the worst person possible it's weird yeah it seems like they have this one playbook and it never updates like this is mm-hmm. the scientology response this is what we're gonna do 
So yeah, for the Ron Miscavige book that recently came out, one of my friends, Darren Butters, posted that 2020 interview. Someone from Scientology tweeted back at him saying, oh, we'll learn the real truth about Ron Miscavige. Uh, uh And that kind of creeped him out. And it sent him to, I think it was this website, ronmiscavigebook.com. Look at, you know, all the horrible things he's done in the past and he beat his children. And it seems, at least we've heard that they will make up things about people if they don't have anything to attack about. I always find it interesting that they'll say like, this person is such a scumbag and horrible person. Well, what what were they doing in Scientology I all this know. time? I know. It's so wow. Don't you realize you are making a claim that you are housing lots of horrible people within <laughs> your high within your organizational ranks? Well, what's up with that? And is the father of uh, your current leader? Yeah, so Yeah, uh, I don't know you if you can't those, have it both ways. And I don't know if those things are made up. We'll never know. But at the very least, these things were not brought to light or were not important until he criticized the church. It was hilarious when Dan Harris was doing this 2020 interview, they were saying, oh, well, the Church of Scientology sent us, it was like 120 videos, <laughs> yeah. like testimonials from previous people who knew him and saying, you know, he was a real letdown. He wasn't even that good of a musician. Uh-huh. <laughs> and they don't realize like that's not a normal response that someone who's on the side of truth would give. Also, they sent a bunch of videos of people saying how much they love David Miscavige and they looked very (laughs) awkward. Also on WikiLeaks, there's a list of URLs that Scientology has bought and the list is very funny. One is gayscientology.com, which is now someone else has bought because they clearly did nothing with it because it's really hard to defend how you're nice to gay people when you're (laughs) Scientology. Now, here's the stuff that everyone wants to hear about and we don't have inside info on. The physical and psychological abuse of current members. Mm -hmm. This is notorious. You will have no trouble finding this information without our help. Back to when LRH was in charge, when people would get in trouble, they would be thrown overboard from ships or have to wear dirty rags around their arms or have their faces marked so you knew that they were bad. Um, Have to run around, like be constantly power walking in silence. (laughs) Um, Really bizarre punishments. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of claims. Do we know if they're true? But we don't boy, know. we do know it is good reading. Yeah. So, uh, there's lots of great sources out there. And we hope to have some really interesting follow-up interviews where we may be able to get uh, some other people who can talk about their stories. Then, of course, there's the financial ruin. Yeah. Running people dry with how expensive Scientology is. Oh, yes. Or suing people out of their money. There's also the story about them kind of persecuting the IRS in order to get tax-exempt mm-hmm. status in the As first place. Church. Uh-huh. If you... <laughs> Get a Pacer account. Now, a Pacer account is an account that every American should have. It is your way to access the public documents that come out of our court system. They belong to you, Mr. or Mrs. American. They are yours. If you get a Pacer account and you look up the bankruptcy filings for the Church of Scientology oh, and yeah. see how many people have had to declare bankruptcy and one of the creditors that they're filing for forgiveness from is the Church of Scientology Holy moly, pages and pages of results. Yeah, wow, you you dug up some real dirt there. I mean, obviously, I didn't call all these people and say, is it Scientology that made you declare bankruptcy? I don't know. But the number of people who have had to declare bankruptcy who happen to owe money to them is enormous. Man. And there's also stories about people like Lisa McPherson and others who were held uh, within Scientology because they felt they could treat a psychiatric problem Mm. uh, and resulted in death of those individuals. So their families say. Yes. So there are many stories about that as well. May or may not be true. Similarly, 
we've mentioned the Purification Rundown and Narcanon, which is Scientology's arm that deals with supposedly helping people with addictions. Mm -hmm. And there have been people who have died at Narcanon and their families have spoken out saying they died at Narcanon because we didn't understand what the program was. We didn't know it was affiliated with Scientology. We didn't know that they weren't going to be helped in a, um, in a way that's approved by medical specialists. And then they uh, died there. Bad. Bad. And where's Shelly Miscavige? Everybody wants to know. Yeah. So Shelly is David's, David's wife. wife. Yeah, yeah. I mean, she's not missing in like the legal sense because the police went and found her. Apparently, yeah. But so we're no told. one has seen her publicly since 2007. Right. It's a little worrisome. Yeah. So the fear is that she is saying, I am where I want to be, but that she's like being made to say that out of fear or intimidation or mind control. But we don't know. I don't know Shelly Miscavige. Do you? Never met her. Probably never will because she might be in a basement somewhere. <laughs> Uh, I'm not laughing at all that she's in a basement. Sure. Just, Just at the... This is preposterous. Yeah. Oh, totally. I'm a big fan of a guy named Rick Ross, who's a cult expert. Rick Allen Ross, mm-hmm. not Rick Ross the rapper. Uh-huh. As I was reading about his work, I came across a reference to the Cult Action Network, which was this group of activists and scholars who would provide information about cults and help family members get their loved ones out of cults. Uh-huh. Anyway, the Cult Action Network was sued by Scientology, sued under, completely like went bankrupt. Scientology took it over, (gasps) turned it into the new cult action network, and was answering the phones when people would call and be like, I have a loved one in Scientology or in another group that I'm worried about. And they would be like, you shouldn't worry about them. Mm -mm. They're actually okay. Yeah. And probably turning around and like declaring people who had said suppressive Uh things about that. Oh, oh, that's horrible. And at one point, they were trying to get the legal documents from the original Cult Action Network. It's not clear to me whether they actually got them, but the courts were considering just handing over all these documents that would have put people in a horrible position, right? They had given over all these secrets about how their loved ones were being treated within Scientology, and then those would have been handed over to Scientology. Still don't know if that happened. They did rename themselves the Religious Freedom Foundation. That no longer exists either. So it looks like the Cult Action Network and the new Cult Action Network are no longer. So Scientology just drove this little group into the ground. Yay! Good job. So there is this and much more. It's a huge topic. And we've had a lot of listeners write us and say, you know, hey, you got me going down the Scientology rabbit hole. I'm reading everything now. So enjoy that process. And uh, hopefully we can follow up with some more interesting commentary. But this has been our Scientology adventure. We did it. (laughs) Yay. And we live to tell the tale. Still here. Yeah. Doing fine. fine. So, Ross, what would you give Scientology on a pseudoscience rating where one is something not at all pseudoscientific, like... You can put a metal rod through a fetus's head and that that head will regrow because the womb is so strong. That's patently absurd. No, that's not at all pseudoscientific. That's a fact. No, that's that's not a fact. Oh, that's not a fact? No. Okay, then that's a 10. Yes, okay. whereas a one might be something one like... One is something completely scientific. Like global warming is anthropogenic, being contributed to by the actions of humans. Right, and yet not anthropomorphic. What would you give it on that scale? Ooh, there's a lot of weird shit going on. I'll jump in with a 9.5. You know, yeah. <laughs> Uh, I was going to give it more like an 8.7. 
Okay. I mean, definitely. The stuff Explain with the- your 0.8 separation from my score. <laughs> yeah, I mean, clearly the auditing stuff is borrowing the language of psychology and slopping it all around mm-hmm. and putting it in a crock pot and seeing what you end up with. I guess I just feel like a lot of the focus of your time in Scientology isn't necessarily on the pseudoscientific stuff. So it doesn't, yeah, it doesn't like, that's yeah, fair. that's not like the first thing that jumps to mind about Scientology. That's kind of what, that's where I feel there's a little bit of wiggle room. Right. Uh-huh. But when they do launch into, they go for it. <laughs> the, yeah, the custom terminology and the mest and the, just the bizarre things they come up with. I don't trust, you know, a fact quote unquote that I learned oh, from yeah. Scientology as far as I could throw a rhinoceros. Yay. Which isn't very far. I think I mixed a few metaphors there. (laughs) That's fine. On a danger rating, what would you give Scientology on a scale where one is something not dangerous, like going to your local park and picking flowers for your mother? Whereas 10 is something very dangerous. Okay. Like you climb to the top of the swing set at the park and you're balancing, like, kind of teeter-tottering on that one bar at the very top of the triangle thing. And you're like, watch, everybody. I'm going to do a backflip and land on my feet. But you've never done this before. <laughs> that's a 10. Yeah, that's really dangerous. I'm trying to decide if I would recommend someone doing that or joining Scientology. And I... <laughs> you have to think I'm about this. I'm <laughs> not sure. You saw me start to say a sentence and stop. Uh, okay. I was going to say, okay, if it's a child, then definitely don't get on the thing. And then I'm like, oh, if you're a child, child, don't child, go and, like, to the Scientologist. The, yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess I'm going to give it a 10. It's it's right on par with that for me. Uh, mostly based on other people's experiences, but a little on ours. I mean, like, they'll definitely try to take over your life completely. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll definitely try to get as much of your money and time and personal thoughts as uh-huh. they can. Oh, boy. Yeah, your your life will get subsumed into this and you lose privacy on so many levels. Yeah, loved uh, ones. Yeah, and, and, you know, medical advice, things like the purification mm. rundown. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a lot of danger going on. Oh, speaking of the purification rundown, just before you give your rating, and yeah. maybe this will help you. Yeah. Uh, someone did write in a doctor who mentioned that vitamin A, the dose that they're giving people of vitamin A, if that person happened to be pregnant or even trying to become pregnant, it could give the child severe birth defects. Really? Yeah. Uh, it doesn't stop me from giving them a 10. I know that much. Yeah. Yeah. No, solid 10 danger rating. Right. Uh, yeah. Walk with caution. Yeah. Now, what would you give this on a drink satisfaction rating? Now, I realize that you are more partial to root beer and lemonade, and I am more partial to hot drinks. Them's my favorites. And Martinelli sparkling cider. All right. Okay. So, so as not to get too bogged down in where the numbers are, vis-a-vis, hot and cold, and so on. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going to do a thumbs up, thumbs down. Would you give Scientology a thumbs up or a thumbs down on the drink situation? There were drinks. Usually you could get water if you asked for it. Sometimes they'd give it to you bottled and they would sometimes have coffee, but oftentimes they ran out. Uh, Nothing too exciting, though. So if I have to choose between thumbs up, thumbs down, I'm giving it a thumbs down. Me too. Sorry, Scientology. Yeah. Sometimes there was coffee. Sometimes they promised it and it wasn't there. Scientology, there are many things that I feel you need to work on, but first and most important of them is 
Let's get this drink situation sorted out. Oh, definitely. I appreciate all the cheese and crackers. God, I don't. I really don't appreciate the quiche. What would you give this then on a creepiness scale? We're one of something eh, not very creepy. Uh, You go to the Norton Simon Museum in Pasadena. You check out the Rodin sculptures. (gasps) Creepy. No, that's not creepy. I know. This is the one. And I mean, maybe like at night it might be creepy, but this is during the day. Whereas a 10 is something really creepy. Like you get to the Psychiatry and Industry of Death Museum mm-hmm. and you wander in those doors and they go, clink. That man hanging from the ceiling, it's a real man, and he lowers to the ground, Mm -hmm. and he shambles towards you. And all of the torture devices that they have in there, they all come out of their cases. It's like Beauty and the Beast. Like, Uh these things can move on their own. Oh, yeah. And they they just kind of jump on the ground towards you. That's a 10. Yeah, that's Do you need more? Because I think we're at a 10. So that's going to bring my rating down a little bit. I'm going to give it a 45. (laughs) (laughs) solid 10 (laughs) yeah yeah Yeah. i mean it's a ridiculously creepy place with uh, people who walk and talk like robots (laughs) try to who are up in your business try to steal your life completely control every aspect of it Mm -hmm. and give you nothing to read but endless works of l ron hubbard Uh i'm reading speaking of rick ross i've been reading his stuff and watching a dvd he made and one of the things he talked about was this phrase, thought terminating cliches, and how that's one of the earmarks of a cult. Interesting. And that phrase was just so perfect hmm. for me, for Scientology, thought terminating cliches. Just wow, the, Just yeah. like little phrases that make it like, that's the end of that question, because we have an answer. LRH gave it to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, 45. Okay. Oh, I'll say 10 just to max out the scale. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah, and I actually just, think it's very annoying when people do this. I was just going to say, just the way I would never say I give my 110% yeah. because... No, it's a real annoying thing to do, and I'm doing it. <laughs> okay. As long as that's understood. What would you give it on a pocket drainer value? Where one is something not at all pocket draining, right? Like uh, you go to a museum about psychiatry and mm-hmm. they say it's free. Uh, you get three hours here and our tour guide will come and help you with anything you need. And, and they awkwardly remind you at the end at that the end, donations if, if are welcome. If you'd like to give $4 between the two of you, that's fine. Which we did. And then 10 is something enormously pocket draining. Like in oh, order okay. to get up to the highest ranking of our church, you need hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. And if you try to leave pre- prematurely, we will send you a bill for hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or at least thousands. On that scale, since that is exactly what happens in the Church of Scientology, I will say a 10. Mm. I'm just maxing out the scales here. Yeah. It's a very expensive religion. Yeah. I can't think of... Can you think of a more expensive religion than Scientology? Oh, that's an interesting thought because there are so many that want... 10% 10% of your mm-hmm. income. But you know what? Okay, I would argue that maybe like the FLDS, because hmm. for them, they kind of like try to keep you in poverty and then you give you them your welfare checks. So you right. just have no avenue out at that point. And that's another one of those hallmarks of a cult where they'll have you kind of sell everything you own. Mm-hmm. And I think we saw that with some people in the Tony Alamo church. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, I think you can get more extreme. But then again, it also depends on where you're at. Right. But just in terms of the constant asking, yeah. finding different ways. And the and actual f- dollar amount. Yeah. Boy, Scientology really takes the cake there. Yeah, uh, right. Incredibly expensive. And uh, we didn't spend too much out of our own pockets on this one. I was willing to do the 
purification rundown. But again, this is still just entry level and we're already talking about $2,500. Yeah, we're barely on the bridge. And and we've seen some of the price lists for services. And yeah, to get up to the top of the bridge, you will be spending somewhere above like $300,000. Easy. Yep. And not making very much. Especially if you work for them. Yeah. I don't know what scale it goes to, but billion year contract? Come on. Yeah, that's too long. Come on. I just feel like that's too long. Come on. Yeah. Well, Carrie, in our investigation of Scientology and all the different places we went, things we said, things we did, did you have a favorite moment? Yes. And it's one I haven't mentioned. What is this favorite moment? So after the guy told us that you could destroy a fetus's head and the (laughs) fetus's head would grow back, you and I were talking about it in your car and you said, you know, I never knew that. And I still don't. <laughs> I don't know. I just thought that was so funny. You still quote that on a regular yeah, basis. Yeah, you, you don't remember saying it. It's definitely the sort of thing I would say. I think my favorite moment was that one brief shining moment right before I got ushered to the door that morning when I showed up and no one stopped me. Oh, you were very proud about that. Yeah. Yeah, I get it. It's a totally silly thing, but just the no, fact I that I was able to walk in and it's like, wow, I belong here. <laughs> just with my Scientology crew. Because everyone's always so up in your business. And uh-huh. like for once, they're just like, oh, it's that guy. Uh-huh. Uh, we're used to seeing him. Uh-huh. It's like, wow, I have like the run of the place. And I went and walked down the, the hallway by myself. <laughs> I don't know why that's exciting. No, that's fun. <laughs> the little moment of freedom. I also, you know, really enjoyed our trying to break into the industry and the yahoos <laughs> that run that. Anyway, it was all in all, it was a good investigation. And we did it for you guys because you begged for it for five years. Yeah, and we and then to like, it, And then, you know, several dozen of you were like, no, don't do that. Well, that's it for our investigation and our show. Did you have a good time? I did. Yeah. I'm glad I did it with you. Oh, I'm glad I did it with you too, Rob. That was fun. If I had to join Scientology, it's the only way I want to fly. <laughs> yeah, me too. And I'd just like to say, if you're listening to this show and you're a Scientologist. Hello. Hi. And you're... We like you. Yeah, we probably do like you. We liked a lot of the people we met. And um, if you want to consider leaving mm-hmm. and you want to contact us, we would be happy to talk to you. Totally. Or if you want to stay and you just want to be on the show and talk about Scientology, we'd love that. We would yeah. love the to LA have a org didn't give us a representative. We would love for them to send someone to talk with us. We'd love to hear your viewpoint. If yeah. anyone within the Church of Scientology wants to represent what you think we got wrong or your side of the issue... We'd love to hear that. I think that would be fascinating. Literally anyone. Yeah. Anyone from Scientology. And I don't care if you're David Miscavige or Bob the Pizza Boy who makes pizza in the basement of the Celebrity or Center. Or Shelly Miscavige. Or Sh- oh, definitely. We'll take you. <laughs> yeah, we want to talk to you. Yeah. Reach out. Literally anyone. <laughs> Who's a current Scientologist. Well, thanks for listening. Our producer and co-editor is Ian Kramer. Our theme music is written by Brian Keith Dalton. Our Facebook page is full of pictures and comments and articles and videos and all kinds of things that you should come and see. 
and have a jolly good time. <laughs> Step right up. You can support this and all our investigations by going to MaximumFun.org forward slash donate. Thank you to all of you who do support us. A million thanks. A, mil- a-, a billion. I-, I was just going to say 76 trillion thanks. <laughs> <laughs> you can also help us out by giving us ratings on iTunes or Stitcher, or your favorite podcast catcher of choice. You can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash podcast. And remember, we have a responsibility. It's not just the orgs. It's not just Dave Miscavige. You know, it's not just not just me. It's you. It's everyone out there kind of rereading KSW and looking at what needs to be done and saying, okay, am I going to do it or am I not going to do it? Period. And am I going to look at that guy or am I too afraid because I have my own out ethics to put in someone else's ethics? And that's all it comes down to. Because I won't hesitate to put ethics in on someone else, you know, because I put it ruthlessly in on myself. Are you a fan of Star Trek The Next Generation? Well, that's weird because it's a corny show. But my friends Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica do a lovely podcast about it. It's called The Greatest Generation and it's on MaximumFun.org. I thought that this podcast was a bad idea, but I was wrong. Please listen to The Greatest Generation on MaximumFun.org. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.